Mega Dads Live is a mature rated podcast. It's for the Mega Dads and the Mega Moms, not the Mega Kids. Earmuffs, everybody. Let's do this. Hello, my name is Adam Leonard, and welcome to a special Mega Dads Christmas holiday special. You know, we here at Mega Dads understand the importance of the holiday season to you and your family. And part of the magic of this time of year are the holiday traditions you create with the ones you love. For example, Johnny Casino spends the holidays baking treats that give his family painful and unstoppable diarrhea. Antonio gets butt-ass naked and lathers himself in butter before carving the Christmas turkey. Erdo dresses up as jolly old St. Nick and lets the neighborhood hookers take turns sitting on his lap. J.B. Smoothie refuses to speak with any of his family in person and instead opens a special Christmas Discord channel so that he can safely share his feelings. And Nick Edwards? Well, he has a tradition of smoking the family Christmas tree like a giant joint at the stroke of midnight on Christmas Eve. And here on Mega Dads Live... We have a time-honored tradition of sharing special Megadad's Christmas songs that we record once a year here in studio. We know you've been looking forward to these charming holiday jingles all year long, and the time has finally come to share with you the 2020 Megadad's Christmas album, featuring all of your favorites, like this. Games will be lacking Son of a bitch Oh, what a Christmas To have a switch My baby's gone I have no friends Who give me their friend codes Ever again Metroid is missing Star Fox the same All that I'm left with Is old Mario games They're not remastered Just cleaned up a bit Because of COVID That's all we get Friends and relations Got new playstations And I'm all alone like a dope They've got ray tracing And I'm here facing a game about a rabbit jumping rope. So oh man, there's nothing worse than heartbreak during the holidays. But don't worry, even though Switch isn't the new kid on the block anymore, we've got a couple new platforms that are going to make your holidays merry and bright.
Love yourself an Xbox Series X or S. It's not weird to say. All you care about is Game Pass anyway. Have yourself an Xbox Series console. You'll be good to play. Eight bazillion video games on your first day. Here we are with our quick resume Playing Gears and Doom Hooray Who needs Halo now anyway? We'll have lots to play Someday Buying Zenimax is gonna get us Something great, no doubt Hopefully it's not another shit fallout That game really sucks so get yourself an Xbox Series console now. When I put this dual sense in your hand Do you feel what I feel? It's the greatest controller in the land Do you feel what I feel? A Spider-Man does what spiders can you will feel it all in your hand You will feel it all in your hand When you put those headphones on your ears Do you hear what I hear? Brand new buzzwords makes your money disappear do you hear what I hear? 3D audio Makes no fucking sense But you'll give them dollars and cents You will give them dollars and cents
When you put that VR on your face Do you see what I see? You will need a lot of fucking space Do you see what I see? We'll laugh at you Acting like a fool But you'll think you're totally cool You will think you're totally cool That's right, on the Megadad's Christmas album we have all of your favorites covered and this year, just like Google, we forgot all about Stadia. So instead, our final song is in tribute to the most anticipated game of the year. Come cyberpunk, here comes cyberpunk, it might make it this year. This got announced back in 2012, and holy fuck, it's clear. Cyberpunk had better be the second coming of Christ. So grab some coffee and kill the lights, cause cyberpunk comes tonight. Here comes cyberpunk, here comes cyberpunk, we've been waiting a bunch. We wanna play and we don't care if everybody's crunched. Keanu Reeves inside my head is what will make it all right So let's all thank CD Projekt Red cause Cyberpunk comes tonight Cyberpunk, here comes cyberpunk, kindly sound the alarms. Laser eyes and robot brains and cybernetic arms. I can't wait to fornicate with the girl who glows in the night. So grab your lube, there's much to do when cyberpunk comes tonight. Here comes cyberpunk. We hope you enjoyed listening to this preview of the Megadad's holiday Christmas album. And don't forget, By becoming a member of Megadads Plus, you get all of these songs in their full unabridged versions as an exclusive download. Just go to patreon.com slash megadads, and for only $1, you get all of these holiday tunes. Our Megadads Plus members for the month of December 2020 are Christopher Nunez, John DeFrancesco, Eric Jones, Jose Alejandro Buendia, Mike Salvino, John Blanco, Daniel Fifield, Michael Grinnell, Brendan Myers, Nick Edwards, Estuardo Zenteno, Alex Van Aken, Forget Being Cool, Brandon Wilson, Constantly Calibrating, The Nintendo Guru, Tony Hughes, Chris Birdo, Gary Gray, Joseph Hoover, Ryan Inderlead, Timothy Alf, William Schultz, and Andy Penzik. And we want to give a special welcome to our three brand new members, CJ Wolf, Edward Kolkebeck, and Joel Putz. And our esteemed members of the Hundo P Club are Welcome Jesse Waldeck, Skinny Matt, the Bafo Yucks Dudes, Luke Porter, the Nintendo Dads Podcast, Justin Masson, Luke Lore, Jason Bryant, Brian Scott, Dave Soto, Dan Nagan, Eric Guptail, Grouchy Surge, Johnny Casino, David Snyder, 
Antonio Guillen, and Mark Peterson. Thank you guys so much for your continued support of Mega Dads, and we hope you enjoy this special holiday episode. Welcome, everybody, to Mega Dads Live, episode 81 for December 2020. On this month's episode, we've got so much to talk about. We've got next-gen consoles in our hands, and we've been playing a ton of games, including Spider-Man Miles Morales, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Astro's Playroom, and a whole, whole lot more. My name is John Wall. And joining me, as always, is Adam Leonard. Adam, hey, we're once again doing this remotely you because might we are responsible adults. We are. And our governor has said, stay the hell away from each other. Uh, for Which the was next- really, like, direct. That was like, I wasn't expecting such a personal. Uh, right, he, he just texted me. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't like a press conference or anything. Mm-mm. Uh, he just FaceTimed me. And it's and not a statewide like, mandate. It's just for us, which was really... Specifically us. Yeah. I think he listens to the show. And he said, no, just stay the hell away from each other. Could you please? Bad idea. Bad, bad, bad idea. idea. So excuse the sound quality if it's not quite up to our normal standards. Obviously, last month we bought all this expensive audio equipment. And now we're doing the podcast via Skype. So what the fuck? <laughs> what, the, what the fuck is right? And you know what? You talked about like the extensive amount of games we're going to be talking about. This could, mm-hmm. this could kind of be considered like our holiday buyer's guide episode. It, audio, think, in audio form. Yeah. I don't think we've ever talked about this many games on a single episode of mega dads live i mean we've got one two three four five six seven eight games on the list jesus christ and i took some off (laughs) Uh, which you know maybe at the end i'll just kind of give real quick two second uh impressions of a few things Mm -hmm. but yeah it's you know i think some console launches come and go and it's like you know there's one or two games to talk about this there's a lot there's so there much. a lot of games so right now. so much i mean at at one point I've, I've started i started actually writing them now but at one point i had like five report cards on my docket of games that i was still actively playing i've never played that many games at once i try not to do that i try to play mm-hmm. like one thing at a time 
Yeah. Um, but PS5 launched and it was just like, here's all the games. Go. Uh, right. So we're going to we're going to break a lot of that down in this oh, episode. In this episode. I spent yesterday putting up all my holiday decorations. I'm like in full like holiday mode right now. I don't yeah. know about you. Mm-hmm. It took about six hours to put up everything just inside the house. Well, you should have what you should have done was just picked one holiday. You didn't have to put up all the holiday decorations. I mean, we had to put up the Easter baskets, the haunted house the graveyard in the right. front yard. Right. Um, the uh, uh, Valentine's Day sex dungeon. Wait, um, what? You know, just just covering our bases and getting everything prepared for the whole year. Because I mean, nobody likes, you know, taking down decorations and just, putting them back up. We just did Christmas. Really? Yeah, we just did Christmas. Yeah, I mean, that's one way to do it. <laughs> but yeah, we had eight bins of crap. Eight big uh, buckets yeah. of decorations. It looks like uh, a Michael's just vomited all over this house. There's well, so much garland and, and little fuzzy creatures. Well, we have we have kind of like the same thing where we have an accrual of like totes that have like all mm-hmm. of our holiday stuff that we keep in our under the under the stairs storage. And mm-hmm. normally every year we're like, OK, so whatever we don't put out, let's set aside to sell at like a garage sale. Uh, but this is 2020. So I said, we're not putting anything back. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to we're going to fucking North Pole this shit out of our yeah. house because uh, we need to celebrate something. So, yeah, we're, we're much the same in our house where it is just assholes to elbows, uh, holly jolly Christmasness in our house. We did that no uh, immediately. Uh, well, mo- actually, a lot of it we did on Thanksgiving, uh, but we uh, wrapped it up yesterday, and we're very jolly here, John. Very jolly. Yeah. What did you think of the the whole Thanksgiving? We d- we did a remote Thanksgiving together. <sighs> I think if you and I would have just done that, it would have been <laughs> fine. But uh, but having our mother involved, she just she has a very unique way of not understanding any bit of technology in any mm-hmm. conceivable way. Like I am constantly amazed at how she can uh, fuck up the simplest of, <laughs> of technological achievements, such as a zoom call. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, you know, I brought over my iPad to her house cause all she really has is her computer, which is in her den. So we were wanted to eat together and I didn't want her to sit, you know, in her den with a plate in her lap. So I said, I'll bring over my iPad. You can set that up on your dining room table and eat mm-hmm. there. And I said, I'll bring it over tomorrow. Do you have your Wi-Fi password handy? And she goes, my what? <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, like the password for your, your internet. You know that? She's like, no, I have no idea what that is or where it is. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, well, this will be fun. Well, not only is she like challenging to help, but mm-hmm. our mother has like a remarkable unwillingness to be helped. Uh, right. Where she will get very defensive if you try to help in a way other than the exact way she wants to be helped. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for example, I was over at her apartment uh, last week. And she needed help cleaning up her desktop, 
her computer desktop. Oh, yeah. She usually has about 700 icons on it. uh, She had, what did I count? I counted like, I believe, 76 folders (laughs) um, on her desktop. And in addition to that, she probably had about 150 documents that were not even in the folders. Right. So she wanted help sorting that through. And so I was I was figuring it out. And I'm like, okay, we're going to go through and we're going to delete a lot of this unnecessary stuff because she had like everything she had ever seen on the Internet saved on her desktop. Right. And she got so irrationally mad at me that I wanted to help her. (laughs) She's like, you're not going to help me do that. You're not going through my stuff. It's like, man, mom looks at a lot of porn, doesn't she? I mean, there just must be just just buckets and buckets of porn. Oh, uh, I, I, yeah, no, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what should we talk about? Oh, should we talk about, well, we'll get to the video games here in a second. Yeah. First, let's get the business out of the way. Mm-hmm. Let's tell people about the Mega Dad's Dictionary word. Okay. So Mega Dad's Dictionary is a game we play every month on this podcast where I go undercover, deep undercover into the world of young internet, Mm -hmm. I think is what they call it, where the young people have, like the parlor. Have you heard of parlor? What is parlor? So parlor, I think, is the new uh, social media for racist, far-right extremists. Really? Um, Yeah, I just found out about that the other day. Um, I never heard of this. Apparently all the Trump supporters are like, and Scott Baio, are abandoning Twitter en masse to go to this thing called parlor. Uh-huh. Um, I, I learned something new on the internet like every damn day. And so in my endeavors on the internet, I find some sort of like hip slang because I want to I want to fit in. I want to blend right. in with the young people of America. And uh, I find one of these terms to bring back to you so that we can do our research. Sure. And we practice using this word in natural conversation throughout the course of, of the show. And the goal mm-hmm. is that eventually in a couple of years... Um, When everybody has moved on to new slang, we'll have caught on to the last generation slang um, and we won't seem decrepit. We'll just seem out of touch. Right. So this month I found I found a holiday dictionary term, John. Really? Well, that seems appropriate. Seasonal dictionary term that we're going to use throughout the course of this episode. If we do it correctly, we're going to hear this sound right here. Indicating <laughs> whose voice was that? Santa John. Come on. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Indicating that we use this term properly, we'll get uh-huh. a point. If you get the ho yeah. ho ho's, you get a point. You get one point. Which is applicable in our Mega Dad's dictionary point system. We have like mm-hmm. a catalog, right? Yeah. And and what what do we get to uh what are our rewards for, for using enough of these dictionary words? If you collect five of these points, you will get a coupon that you can use at your local Walgreens to get 5% off prescriptions for three months. Oh, man. That's, uh-huh. that's coming in handy, too, by the way. I don't know about you, but I find myself more and more uh, needing prescriptions I can't for even, things. I can't even get out of bed in the morning without some sort of pharmaceutical aid. So. Yeah. So uh, this 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 is a big deal. This I, is a this is a 
This one you're really gonna want. I'm gonna spam the fuck out of this dictionary term. So this month's dictionary term is... Christmas crackered. Yay! <laughs> and Christmas crackered. Uh, I, I've ne have you heard this before? I've never heard this before. I've never heard this before. Uh, Christmas crackered means to be extremely tired. So we're going to get a lot of use huh. out of Christmas crackered. So the Christmas example I have crackered. is, I guess Santa is Christmas crackered after delivering all those presents. Now, just to be clear. Yes. Because the the wording in here, I want to I want to just make certain now, this isn't one of those dictionary words that's accidentally really racist, right? <laughs> what? What are you talking about? What are you talking? I feel like we may have had issues in the past, and what? there's the word "cracker" in this what in this dictionary term. So, just I, making sure you've done your research. So here's here's the deal: uh -huh. we, we make full declaration on every episode of Mega Dad's Live. Yeah, we don't know what the fuck these words mean. We don't know what the hell we're talking about. That's the entire point. So if uh -huh. I find something on the internet, yeah, and it inadvertently is horrendously racist, <laughs> and then we say it repeatedly throughout the course of the podcast, that's that's not on me. Uh, that's, that's not your fault. That's not my fault. The whole point is. We, we're educating ourselves. We need to... We, we're trying to learn. Um, yeah. So if we lose hundreds of listeners <laughs> um, because we are inadvertently racist some month, uh, uh, people just what gotta, do you do? You just got to roll with it, right? Exactly. Work your way back up the hill. That's what happens when you get to be our age. You become accidentally very racist. Well, if... <laughs> If mom has set any sort of example for us, <laughs> this is this is definitely true. Ah, oh, so Christmas crackered. Christmas crackered. Okay. I will keep that in mind. We've also got the Mega Dad's hot takes. Mm. And these, as most everybody knows, are when we have a very strong opinion about something and we want to make a declaration mm -hmm. that it is a fact. Yeah. We will we will spend our mega dad hot takes of which we get one per episode and you'll hear this sound hot take and that means it's an official mega dad's hot take and then the other person has to just shut their face hole yeah and listen to what we have to say yep so That's those fair. are the hot takes and the dictionary word mhm mm now we're going to do this episode a little bit different adam Normally, right now, we're going to talk about some video games, and then we're going to take a break, and then we're going to have some news and all that, yada, yada, yada. We've restructured this episode a little bit because a, a couple of things. Number one, like we said, fuck ton of video games to talk about. Fuck ton. Number, number two, not that much news, really. No, you know, I I, uh, I gotta tell you, we do like the week preceding Mega Dad's Live. We have our mm -hmm. we have our Megabits shows. PlayStation yeah. megabits, Xbox megabits, Nintendo megabits, where we break down the month's span of news. Uh, that was a challenge this month for me because <laughs> the, the news leading up the last couple of months has been the build to what we're going to be talking about, which is these next-gen consoles. And so things are going to be quiet for a little while. 
yeah. while, while game companies just let us buy their goods. Yeah, so we're going to talk about next-gen consoles a little bit right now. By the way, if you haven't already, uh, this last week we also published our Team Mega Dad's Thanksgiving holiday special, uh, where as a group we all talked about next-gen consoles a bit. But uh, So you should go listen to that. But we're going to break it down a little bit more uh, now that we've had a few weeks with them. And then after the first break, then we're going to get into all the gaming goodness. That sounds fair. That sounds about right. So, Adam. Yeah. You have a PlayStation 5. Damn right. I have an Xbox Series X. We've had these consoles. Has it been two weeks now? Two two weeks or three? How long have they been out? Feels like three, but who the hell knows? It's it's 2020. Time means nothing. Yeah. So what are your feelings so far specifically about the console itself? I love it. Yeah? I love it a lot. Um, You love it a lot? I I love it a lot. I want to get a couple of my nitpicks out of the way first Mm -hmm. because I, I I thought of a few things after our Thanksgiving special that I didn't bring up. That I want to make sure that I hit right off the top of the bat, um, and uh, most mostly I want to talk about smart delivery or the lack of smart delivery on on the PlayStation. Uh, mm-hmm. Which, if people don't know, that's the that's the feature on the Xbox where your Xbox just knows to apply a specific version to a game. So if you have a game that's playable on your old generation console and your new generation console, that console will recognize what it is and format the game appropriately. Yeah. If it enhancements, if it needs it, step it forward automatically. It doesn't need a patch or any of that kind of stuff. Right. Am I getting that right? Yeah. Like, uh, if you, like I did, you have some older games on your external hard drive. You plug it into the series X when you go to play that game, it'll say, hey, uh, there's an update to this game. Would you like to update it? You download it. It brings all the new gen features and then you play the game. So it, it tells you right away when you start the game and then you get a little icon uh, on the game tiles on the screen saying this is the upgraded version of these games. So you can see which ones have those enhancements. So PlayStation has what I call dumb fuck delivery. <laughs> where, <laughs> where there is no um, universal way of doing it. Mm-hmm. There are certain games, I think, where it just it just kind of looks a little bit better or runs a little bit smoother mm-hmm. um, if it's played on the PS5. And then there are some games that have like specific PS5 free editions. And one of those games is No Man's Sky. Mm-hmm. And so when I got the PS5, I knew No Man's Sky had the next-gen version that's available day one with the console. And so after I played some of the new stuff, I was like, oh, I want to go and I want to go and check out No Man's Sky. And so I, I, I put my disc in because I have I have the day one release disc version of No Man's Sky, my old right. ass copy of it, threw that in Um Updated the game to the, the current iteration on my on my uh, PlayStation 5. Got my save data migrated over from the cloud. Mm-hmm. Booted up the game. Started playing. And it was like, this looks 
exactly the same as the PS4 version. And it was a little stuttery. You know, we've talked about this game has a little bit of a little it's bit of buggy. jank. A little bit of jank. Yeah. Uh, and it seemed to carry all of that over. And I played it a couple of different times, and Elliot was playing it as well because he's really into that game. And I was just it's like, I can't believe that this is the next gen update. So I did a little searchy search mm-hmm. and found out that you actually need to go into the PlayStation Store and download a specific, uh, I guess, app, for lack of a better word. It's it's not an auto-download. It's not an auto-update for the game. But you have to go into the PlayStation Store and download the PS5 conversion file so that your No Man's Sky game will progress into the PS5 ecosystem, which is just stupid as hell. <laughs> so if you play an old game... yeah. Is there any way that you would know if they have released one of these updates? I don't know. I just don't going know. into the store and looking? I don't know. Like, Elliot was playing uh, Horizon, right? Mm-hmm. And the the step fours are so, like, incremental. Like, obviously, it loads faster, right? Like, that's obvious right. to tell. Um, but then you're, like, watching the game and, like, is this a higher frame rate? Is this any right. better? I mean, it looks great, but I don't know. And We're not Digital Foundry. We're not experts on that. No, shit. no. And um, I'll talk about that next. Actually, a little, a little bit about the uh, the um, the two different modes that you can have in some of these games, like performance versus fidelity and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. the, but there's no like easy way to just say make the game better. It's it's all very complicated and convoluted. And I wouldn't have even known that I hadn't gotten the proper update if I hadn't searched for it. Um, right. So that is a definite miss in my eyes. Um, we've talked about the uh, quick resume, which you've had yep. some issues with. I don't, I don't like feel like I'm missing anything not having that because of how mm-hmm. fast games load right now. Yeah, like that to me, I can see why it would still be better because your your game could be like you could be midway through a mission or whatever, and it'll pick up exactly where you are. But right. but. To me, like games checkpoint so damn frequently that that's not something that I'm missing. And I thought I would mm-hmm. smart delivery isn't something that I thought would be a big issue, which seems to be. Uh, right. So that bothers me. Um, Interesting. And then the one the one thing that I, you know, I just mentioned was a lot of these PS5 games will have the two different modes, the performance mode, which will give you like your 60 frames per second, but not have like the really good ray tracing and all that you know 4k hdr crap or whatever uh Mm -hmm. and then there's like a resolution mode which will be the best looking game but it'll run at like 30. um i'm never going to be able to tell the difference between 30 and 60 so i always default to that resolution mode i just want my Mm -hmm. games to look pretty i don't care if it's just like a hair fluid more fluid as far as animation goes I'm not the kind of person that 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 doesn't bother me a lick. So like Spider-Man looks absolutely gorgeous in that fidelity mode. I'm not even worried about that performance mode. I think that's kind of weird. Do you think we'll ever get to a point where games are just good? Like, do you you think that's that's a weird option to have for me? It almost like acknowledges that that they're not quite there yet. Doesn't it seem like like. What do you want to sacrifice when you play this right. game? But this is a new console. I shouldn't have to sacrifice anything. 
I mean, it, I think it kind of goes to show that new consoles are kind of a little bit more like PCs, you know, than we're used to, because I think that's something that PC players have always kind of dealt with, you know, is tweaking the, the graphical settings certain ways. Yeah. But for console players, it's always been just, you know, the game is what it is. It's so weird to be faced with that right away of like, what do you want to sacrifice when you're playing this game? Fidelity right. or frame rate? It's like, what it the hell are you talking about? Yeah, you do automatically feel like you're just not getting the best version because you're picking one over the other. Right. Um, I feel like I do notice frame rate. Um you know, I'm going to talk about the game a little bit later, but I started playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla on my Xbox One, and I switched over to the Series X when I got that, and I, I could tell right away the 60 frames versus whatever it was on Xbox One, that it just it just moved much more fluidly, which was really nice. But yeah, I have a nice big 4K TV also, and I would love to have all of that. So is it the um, same in that game where you have to pick one or the other? They, not at first, but they added a feature later. Uh, uh, I think just this past week where you could select between the two. Um, because I believe the Series S version was being capped at 30 frames per second. So now they've added an option in the game Um where you could toggle to to whichever one you prefer. I think I think that's common in a lot of games on on next gen right now. A lot of the new games. Is, I don't like that. Yeah, yeah, Yucky. it's not it, it's not my favorite thing. Um, but uh, by, by and large, I I love I love the PS Five. It's it's fast. It's quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had a couple of tech issues uh, mm-hmm. where the where the it seems. Uh, prevalent in Miles Morales. That's the yeah. only game that has crashed my PS5. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I talked about it in the Thanksgiving episode, or maybe maybe I just talked about it on Twitter, where I had originally had the PS5 horizontal in my entertainment cabinet, and that sucker puts off heat. So if you yeah. have that in an enclosed space, that's going to get hot. Uh, right. So I ended up removing it because I didn't know if that was the issue or not putting it vertically next to the television. I think both these consoles, you really want to give them Mm -hmm. their space because, you know, they're, they're powerful computers. They're like moody children. Just give them their space. Just give them space back away. Uh, It was kind of funny because once I removed it from that, that uh, nook in my entertainment center, like that little cabinet was hot to the touch for like five minutes. <laughs> it was like I was baking a pie in that fucking thing. Um, right. But the the controller is my favorite controller I've ever had. I absolutely love the feel of it. In addition to uh, the obvious bells and whistles that we've talked about, I just it just feels right in my hand. I've always been the person who likes the inline sticks as opposed to the staggered. That's just a mm-hmm. preference thing. So this is the best iteration of a PlayStation controller that there ever has been. I am absolutely I'm anxious loving. to actually experience the dual sense. I've held it. I've held yours before mm-hmm. you had the console, but I'm very curious. Um, yeah. Fucking COVID, man. Like, all I want is for you to come over and play Astrobot <laughs> <laughs> and have your mind blown because it's so good. 
Um, maybe maybe by the holidays. Yeah. Well, I, I, fingers crossed that we'll be able to actually see each other mm-hmm. by Christmas. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you <clears throat> a couple things that obviously I haven't played it, but I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of opinions, and I want to get your take on a couple of things I've heard. Okay. Um, since you just mentioned the dual sense, do you, you can toggle all that stuff on and off. I think both at a system level and at a game level. Um, ha- how does that feel in games other than Astrobot? Because I, I've heard some conversations, I think it was on Giant Bomb and, and something else that as great as the Astrobot is, like there are as many games where it feels really amazing. And there are an equal number of games where it feels where it's actively detracting from the experience because it's done very poorly. Really? I think, they, I think they mentioned Call of Duty was one that just like it's just it just feels really bad in that one. Have you experienced any any game yet where you've thought they like this is just not done well? Do you bad, think this in, is bad in what way? I think just the way the you know, like it can block trigger, you know, like your trigger pulls and mm-hmm. things like that. And obviously I don't, I haven't experienced it myself, mm-hmm. so I don't know all the ways, but they just felt like it didn't feel, it was, it, it didn't feel like it was adding anything and it was actively like distracting the way they were handling it. Um, no, I mean, I haven't had any negative experiences in the fact that in the way that I felt like it was programmed bad. I've actually heard mm-hmm. people say that they think the Call of Duty is one of the best examples of, of haptic with the way that they designed each gun to feel differently mm-hmm. um i i don't play call of duty so i can't speak to that but i find that interesting um i will say that the to me the triggers are where it's at yeah the there's a game that uh that i'm going to talk about later called observer and it's a first person horror game and it has the same system um where you can pick things up using your triggers and you interact with things with your triggers much like you remember i talked about amnesia 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 where you would the trigger would grab the doorknob and then you'd have to pull or push the door with the stick and remember i said right. that it, it felt really bad and just really clumsy observer uh-huh. does it really well and they do this thing where certain doorknobs you're in this really decrepit apartment building and I mean, I don't want to talk too much about a game before we get to the game, but it does this thing where some of the doorknobs will jam. And so if you've got like a door, a door that's just open, your trigger mm-hmm. will just act like a normal trigger. But if this door is jammed, it'll lock up that trigger. And so you can tell physically without actually trying to push or pull the door open that this door is either locked or you've got to jimmy the handle a little bit to get it to work. And it's just, it's just, it adds so much. I've played a couple of games where I haven't noticed really anything with the dual sense, like overcooked. I haven't noticed anything with, uh, so I think like it's going to obviously be up to each developer, how much they want to infuse that into a game. I've certainly played a few experiences where I didn't notice it. And I guess Mm -hmm. you could say that's bad. Um, because that could speak to the fact that this could be ignored in the future. I um, say it's probably not required. So some, maybe some developers are just not 
right. prioritizing that right away. So depending on what your apprehensions are of, is this going to be supported down the line? That could speak to the fact that games are very easy. Easily, you can just ignore it. Uh, mm-hmm. Not every game feels like, oh, damn, that's really cool what they did with the controller. Um, right. But I haven't played anything where it's like, oh, I hate this and I wish they would turn that off. I haven't okay. had that experience. Okay. The other thing I wanted to mention or ask about rather is the UI, mm-hmm. which based off a couple things I've heard, um, some people have mentioned that they think it looks really fantastic, mm-hmm. but it feels a little bit like um, not very intuitive as far as trying to find your way around like options that you want to get to maybe quickly are buried kind of deep uh and take a while to get to um a little bit kind of overloaded with stuff that makes it just kind of like you're wading through a bunch of options and and just not very user friendly i think i think there's going to be a learning curve to the ui of the ps5 yeah, I was gonna ask, do you, do you feel like it's something that they are they need to like tweak and maybe make a few adjustments, you know, on to where things are, or do you think it's just this is new, we don't know it yet, yeah, but we'll get used to it. I'm not sure yet. Um, the card system specifically, I have not gotten hardly any benefit from. Mm-hmm. Um, so like each game, if you tap the PS button, it, it pulls up your little, your little under, under dashboard. And mm-hmm. there are these, these cards per, specific to each game. And they keep track of progress in certain ways. So for example, Miles Morales has a lot of side quests. Each side quest will have like its own card that is keeping track of its progression. It's a lot to look at, and if you don't use it, it can seem like a mess. However, depending on the type of player you are, they can be extremely beneficial. For example, if you're doing something on one end of the city and you wanna pull up this, this side quest and go straight to it because you're almost there, you pull up your cards, it's like you're 85% done. You can Mm -hmm. select that card and it'll bring you instantly to where you are in in that activity, in that side quest. And it'll bring you straight there and you're like right in the middle of it, pick up where you left off. Um, It kind of puts progress and saving in a completely different light. It's not quite so line A to line B. Uh, in the sense that you can jump around in different progresses throughout a game. So that's kind mm-hmm. of confusing. But at the same right. time, if you've like, if you've beat the campaign of Miles and you're just going and finishing off your side quests, that's super fast and convenient to do it that way. Yeah, if you you're just, just trying to 100% things. Right. So it's, and it's tricky because every game handles their cards differently and they do different things. Has so, every game you've played used the card system? They do, but I'm not using the card system, if that makes right. sense. I'm still playing in a traditional sense. Like, I see all that stuff when I push the PlayStation button and it pops up. Mm-hmm. 
But that's a lot to take in if you don't play that way. So I can see how people are off put by that because it it takes the way you interact with a game in a completely different way than what we're used to. Right. Um, As far as other other utilizations of the UI, they've changed like the share feature. Um, Mm -hmm. That's done differently. It almost feels more like the switch in the sense that you push the, the little share button and then it comes up with a couple of options to either take a photo, take a video or capture the last however many you know seconds or minutes of your video. Yeah. And you snap a picture and then you can either go right back into the game or you then go into the, the share mode. So it just feels differently than the PS4. It's not, I don't know if it's necessarily better or worse, but they do it differently. Um, to put the game and to put the system into rest mode, it's no longer the hold down the PlayStation button and wait for the the power cue. It's tap it and then go down to a power icon on your UI uh, jump up bar. So it's uh-huh. like all the stuff is still there. It feels differently than last gen, but I don't right. necessarily know that it's better or worse. It's just going to be taking. It's going to take a while to get used to doing things that you're used to doing in a different way. Right. Okay. If that answers how, your question. Yeah. How do you feel about like the power of the console? Um like just you know, generally like, or? or just like just like, you know, Miles is a, the big first party, yeah, you know, launch game. Mm-hmm. When when you booted that up, did it feel immediately like next gen? I, or was it more subtle than that? I think it's, I think it's subtle. If you if you're looking for specific things, you, you'll definitely find them, like reflections and I mean the ray tracing and especially in like Spider Man. Like if you're going up the side of a skyscraper, you know if you're running up it super fast, you won't notice. If you pause and put your hand on the glass and see your exact reflection in that window, that's fucking mm-hmm. cool. Um, yeah. Miles is a really good showcase of lighting. The enemies in it are like neon glowing uh and there's like a lot of nighttime scenes where these guys have this purple neon glow to them and the the lighting is just absolutely beautiful it it's a staggering looking game mm-hmm. but games looked really good on ps4 right right uh one of the games that actually um kind of blew me away visually more than anything was observer and i'll talk about that later but uh it is definitely a a beautiful it, it can create beautiful games beautiful images lighting reflection stuff like that it's super damn fast i pulled up yeah. last of us part two uh the other night just mm-hmm. to see like what's the difference like boom right into the damn game and that game had some hefty load times does uh, that game have like a specific ps5 update yet i don't think it does but i don't know yeah. you know it's that's one of the things that's just i i don't like that there's no obvious benchmark for this game is 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 upticked, you know, right? Uh, and and with as good as games looked on the PS4, like that's even well, harder to that tell. One, that one practically looked like a next gen game, I would argue already. Right, right. So I mean, things as as a gamer who I've been playing for a long time and played the PlayStation 4 a lot, the, mm-hmm. the obvious things are super damn fast. It doesn't sound like it's going to explode seconds after starting it up. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the the interface is quick and gorgeous, but there's a lot of stuff in there that I haven't really found a use for yet. Um, and that controller is just I, it's showstopper, man. It is, is that so. The, is that the good. big thing? If you would point to one thing on the PS5, is it the controller more than anything else? It's the controller and the speed. Okay. Like we've been dealing with load times for so long, and a lot of those PS4 games had hefty ass load times. Mm-hmm. So to be able to play Spider-Man and just not have to wait for anything is a huge deal. But yeah, that and the controller, I think, are the the big takeaways for me. Okay. Alright. Absolutely so, worth the money. Yeah. I'm sure I will get one next year. Early or probably early in the year. I will get one. I'm hoping I can find a digital edition. Yeah. Uh, because that's what I would want to get. And I feel like I haven't seen a lot of those anecdotally in the wild. Right, right. You know, from from people talking. So I'm hoping maybe those are in more supply come, you know, March or April. So I've had the Series X uh, the same amount of time, and I feel like I hit a lot of the a lot of the same things you're talking about are probably what I'm enjoying most about the Series X. Um, the speed. I don't think I, I haven't experienced anything yet. Um, I, I, from a hardware perspective, I think the PlayStation Five, from what I understand has an advantage in the ssd department because nothing i've played yet so far has has demonstrated that instantaneous you know you know fast travel or anything where you just boom you're right there Mm -hmm. um but the load times are definitely very quick for the most part um the silence it's it's you know most of the time, I can't tell if it's even on. If the light wasn't there, I wouldn't know that the thing was operating. Right, right. Um, and yeah, I think that the power differences are subtle at times. You know, on, on the games you're playing, it's it's stuff that I think if you are a more casual gamer or if you don't have the right display to take advantage, you might yeah. not notice it as much i'm surprised just kind of like surveying twitter how many people Mm -hmm. aren't uh invested in 4k hdr yet and and if you don't have that like there's really not much of a reason to spend this amount of money on a new console speed is not that important for you know what i mean (laughs) like that's I'm shocked by... I mean, obviously, Xbox has the S edition, which is 1080p. I can right. see that. But um, I'm and I think that was very smart of them because I think they saw that 4K, while it's getting much more popular, and mm-hmm. I'm sure yesterday on Black Friday, you could have probably got a 4K TV for like 400 bucks. It's ridiculous how cheap they've gotten. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of people that I know that just haven't gotten one yet. Um, and also but, for yeah. anybody who's listening, who's thinking of getting a 4k TV, if you're not getting HDR, it's not worth it. HDR is more important, I think, than the actual 4k resolution because of that, just that high contrast and gorgeous color. Uh, I, I would kind of say if you 
are someone who really is wants your games to look the best buying a $400 TV on Black Friday probably not what you want to do period mm-hmm. um, just because there's a lot of features that you really got to look for nowadays you got to look for the 4K you got to look for HDR you got to look for HDMI 2.0 exactly um, and then something that I didn't think about a whole lot beforehand is the 120 hertz refresh rate yep which is something that a lot of Xbox games are using on the Series X, but my TV doesn't take advantage of. Right. Uh, which, you know, I was, and I didn't even know if my TV did take advantage of it beforehand. <laughs> I had to go look because I heard of games like Ori, which was which runs at 120 frames per second on the Series X. And I was like, oh my God, I bet that looks insane. Oh, damn, my TV doesn't support that. Um, and there are a few other games I think that actually support that. So you really got to look at, uh, you know, the tech specs in your TV. If you're looking at a new TV for these new consoles, really do your homework. Um, yeah, and and it's kind of funny. Speaking of Ori too, there was a. You've got the two options when you play Ori and the Will of the Wisps on the Series X. There's the. Uh, performance mode where it's 120 frames per second or it's the fidelity which for most games is 4k Mm -hmm. the option on this was 6k super sampled what the i don't even know what the fuck that means (laughs) it's it's apparently like up resed 4k you know how like in the old 4k days like if you couldn't really do 4k it kind of ps4 pro yeah yeah so I think this is kind of like faking 6K. Are there even any 6K displays? I think there's eight. I think I've heard of eight. I think that's a thing that I think I've seen one at a Best Buy. Wow, that's a lot of Ks, man. It's and I, you know I played it on that for a bit, and I was like, well, I mean, I don't know. It looks really <laughs> pretty. Right. Is it prettier than 4K? I don't know. <laughs> right. Right. So yeah, I mean, there's just so what. many. My, my old eyes are Christmas crackered. <laughs> and I can't tell a lot of these differences. So when you toggle things on and off, it's kind of like pretty or also pretty. <laughs> right. I, you, you mentioned HDR. I think another thing that is definitely more noticeable is the ray tracing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, seeing in Assassin's Creed the way the sun shines off the river and reflects off a river and shines through the trees like i found that maybe the most noticeable thing in next gen visually there is a scene in observer where you're in this dark room no lights and there's a window on the wall with with blind with mini blinds and they're open like halfway and there's like a neon light that passes by the window Mm-hmm. And the light shining in between each of these blinds and the dust particles in the air as it casts the, these slats of light that move around the room as yeah. this light passes by. And I was just like, honey, 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 come look at come look at the light coming through this window. <laughs> and she's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm like, this is gorgeous. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm I am very happy with my Xbox so far. I feel like it's lacking in that big showpiece 
you know, title, that big yeah. first party game that you're going to point at and be like, what is fish? What is the first showpiece game that they're getting? Do you think? Is it the medium? Uh, well, I, yeah. I mean, it depends on if you're talking about first party or third party or well, like ex- like an exclusive Xbox game. Right. I mean, there are a few exclusives that launched with it. Things like Tetris Effect, things like the Falconeer. What is that? Um, it's a, it's like a, um, oh, what's the dragon, the Sega? Panzer Dragoon? Yeah, it's kind of a Panzer Dragoon type type game. I've never heard of that. Um, the, the first one that I'm super looking forward to, yeah, is the Medium. But I also don't know if that game, it's a smaller studio. It's Bloober Team. I'm going to love that game. I don't know if that game has the budget of like a Miles Morales where it's going to be a game that I'm going to see and be like, holy shit, the but, power of the Series X. Right. But like you as a player, like right yeah. now you're 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 playing multiplayer, multi-platform stuff right now, right? Yeah. So is mostly. that the first game that you're looking forward to where you're like, this is my Series X game? As far as exclusives, yeah, that's yeah. the first big one that I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. Um, that's coming out in January. And I don't really know what else. Uh, you know, I know some things that are supposed to come out next year, but I don't know when. Right. Uh, Flight Simulator is supposed to be next year. I think that has the potential to be a game that is like mind-blowing visually like yeah. this isn't possible on last gen um and halo is at some point but a lot of their games a lot of their first party games they haven't really said what else is coming next year aside from halo aside from uh flight simulator I think Psychonauts is coming next year. But yeah, I think a lot of next year is really kind of up in the air. I think probably due to COVID, I think they probably don't. They've had so many delays in games that I think they are hesitant to nail down dates, you know, too far in advance. Wear your fucking masks, people. John (laughs) wants some Xbox games. Let's get this shit back on the rails. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, overall, I, I am very happy with it. It you know they take a different approach than PlayStation where it's it's very familiar it's yeah. very like here's the same UI you're continuing kind of where things are so it doesn't do you, a lot of the experience isn't like wow new real talk mm-hmm. do you really think that is a more satisfying approach because to me like so much of PS5 getting a PS5 at launch even though a lot of the games are also on PS4, like they launched in the window mm-hmm. of the PS5. So to me, it's like, this is a brand new PS5 game and right. the UI is new and the controller is new. And it, it feels to me like a very traditional console launch. Like I've always experienced my entire life. Like this is all new toys. Right. Do you feel dissatisfied with that? Or do you feel satisfied because you prefer that incremental step it can feel dissatisfying in a purely superficial kind of way right you know where i know that the ui runs just fine i know the way it works 
you know, they've upgraded, like they completely overhauled the entire store like a month ago. It, that looks completely different already. So they've, they've made all these changes. So it doesn't, I know it doesn't make any sense for them to have just scrapped it all and done something completely new that just wouldn't be logical. But, yeah, I mean, there's part of me that's like, eh, you know, it looks the same. Right. You know, it, it, and I know that really doesn't matter. But, yeah, there's part of you that's like, you know, I wish there was something else to point to besides. Rather than changing you know, the color of the room, you just put a new coat of paint. That's yeah. like the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, like when it's you cleaner. Clean, it's <laughs> like when you clean your room really good and you get everything just nice and where it goes yeah. and shiny. And, you, and it's like, it's this room. But it looks really nice right now. Right. So and yeah, and as far as the controller, you know, I'm I am very glad they didn't change the controller. Um, I was of the mind that the Xbox One controller was my favorite controller I've ever held. It just feels more comfortable than anything else I've used. Um, they added the share button, which is really nice. That was the one change they've really they've really added, which was a nice addition but otherwise i don't i wouldn't have liked it if they would have really changed the form factor of it i'll tell you what yeah um that was also my favorite controller mm-hmm. it's not anymore <laughs> <laughs> it's uh we played left for dead 2 last night and uh-huh. i was and i was like yeah yeah this is a good controller but man <laughs> oh man i can't wait for you to play something on that dual sense holy crap yeah and playing playing Left 4 Dead was fun last night because that was another thing where you know I'm going back to some of these older games and like I remember Left 4 Dead kind of being a little bit chuggy, especially in split screen. You know where you know you get a, a hundred zombies on screen and you know it kind of stutters a bit. Um, and it this just, just felt this just felt smooth. Did it give it that auto HDR and all that stuff? I noticed at one point. In the tunnel of love, we were doing that level, <laughs> and it's in the dark. But there's yeah. like the lights around, and I was like, "This looks like Better. it got a little bit of that love." I saw somebody tweet a picture of Dead Space Two. They were playing Dead Space Two, and they're like, mm-hmm. "Holy shit, HDR on Dead Space 2. And I was like, "God, I wish PlayStation would fucking get their shit together and backcat that PS5." Yeah, yeah. I mean, it. I've I've played a you know a fair number of games. Fortnite, I played. Uh, I've played quite a bit in that you can just tell it's just it just runs better the draw distance like when you're on the bus and you're looking down at the island you can see so many details from far below that before would pop in as you're falling but now you can very clearly see you know neighborhoods and specific houses and it's it's just nice that everything runs really good now on it right so awesome yeah, any other thoughts on the consoles themselves before we talk about the games? No, I think we pretty much covered everything in the last, you know, holiday special and this conversation that I'm ready to talk about some games. Okay, well, let's take a break and we're going to jump into our new segment that way we debuted last month, and that is Mega Dad's Versus, and that is where the team gets together two people on Team Mega Dads debate a topic given to them. Mm-hmm. And after this debate, 
we're going to put these questions up on Twitter where you get to vote and decide which one is right, who was more persuasive, who won the argument. And this month, Chris Berto and Nick Edwards once again are on and they're going to be debating which is better, a short eight-hour single-player campaign or a big, massive 100-hour open-world saga. So let's throw it to them right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another exciting episode of Versus, the podcast within a podcast where we get two adult men to argue just like they were back in high school debate class. Before we begin, on behalf of Mega Dads, we'd like to apologize for the last time. Due to the behavior and performance by one of our master debaters in particular, things devolved. Time limits were not adhered to. People were speaking over others. We apologize for this national embarrassment, and we hope to conduct a more orderly debate in the future. And now for this week's debate topic, what's better, short, more impactful video game experiences or longer, more epic video games? This week, Chris will be challenged with arguing in favor of longer video games, while Nick will argue that shorter experiences are better. For today's format, our master debaters will be given one opportunity to make their case and then one rebuttal. And now we hand it over to Nick with a strict time limit, go. You know what I don't have time for anymore? Sprawling 100-hour campaigns in video games. Between two kids, a full-time job, and a wife to keep happy, a game that size just isn't in the cards for most. However, games that have shorter, more complete campaigns are great-sized bits of gaming that actually let me feel a sense of accomplishment. And with great games always coming out, I can look back on a year and say, I beat 20 games, not... I'm 80% of the way through RPG side quests, the sequel. When you have a game that is 100 hours, do you know what that game is going to be filled with? Repetitive side missions, fetch quests, some bullshit objects to find. That stuff is fine in limited quantities, but if you're trying to make it pad out your game, it gets old real fucking fast. What do you want, a tight, balanced game? Or to spend most of your time walking, being encumbered, or fast traveling as you look for the Horn of Gilgamesh to complete a fetch quest for a dwarf monk warrior? That would be my time. Thank you so much, not only for adhering to your time, but for making an ironclad, infallible argument. And now we hand it over to Chris for a strict time limit. Go. Okay, listen, here's the thing. Money. Okay, here's why. You want long games. Bang for your buck, okay? Right now, we are living in an unprecedented time. Not everybody has tons of expendable income. You don't have time to drop money every single month, every two weeks when a new game comes out. No, we don't have it. You can spend 60 bucks one time, get hundreds of hours of entertainment. You are stretching that dollar. And right now, we got to do it. The economy sucks, okay? A lot of people right now are, are dropping money that they probably shouldn't spend on multi-hundred dollar consoles, okay? Leaving very little in the way of a budget. So if you're going to buy your fancy new PS5, your, your Xbox Series X or Series S, why not get a single hundred hour epic like Assassin's Creed Valhalla or one of the other thousands of RPGs that you can get? Some of the best games of all time, of all time, are mega titles that take 50 plus hours. GTA V, Red Dead 2, Final Fantasy, all of them, Dragon Quest, Minecraft. Okay, what about games as services, right? Destiny 2, Fortnite, PUBG, Apex. All these titles can be played for literally hundreds and hundreds of hours. How about games like Dota 2, League of Legends, 
These games can be experienced for literally thousands of hours, right? And in the case of the last two, for almost no money at all. Look, eight-hour games absolutely have their place, and, and I really do love them. But if you're a gamer on a budget, which I think everybody is right now, that the is more time. time you can spend... That is time. You will adhere to the rules. You fucker. Let's hand it over to Nick. My opponent made some speech about Destiny 2, GTA, Final Fantasy. You know what all those games have in common? Walking around for most of it. Pointless side missions. You can complete GTA in like eight hours if you just mainline the story. Because that's really what you want in a game is a tight, complete narrative story. No one is buying the latest game going, I wonder what this uh, all the side quests are going to be. No one. Yeah, money is tight. But you know what? You can trade those games in. You can sell them on eBay. That'd be it. And Chris, now for your opportunity to counter and closing argument. Okay, look, here's the thing. Side quests are actually kind of awesome. Give a play The Witcher. Yeah, it's another long game. You know, one of the best quests in that entire game was a side quest, right? It, it just was. Y- yeah, you, you, can, you can mainline through, these, through some of these other games. You know what else you can mainline through? Life. You can take heroin, boom. And your, you know, 100-year game real fucking quick if you want to. That's not the point, okay? Take the time and enjoy the world. These game developers... These 100-hour games are crafted with love and attention to detail. Do you know why I want to spend 100 hours playing The Witcher? Do you want to know why I want to play uh, Warcraft even? Because the world is worth spending time in. Instead of blazing straight through a game in eight hours, I'm like, oh, cool, that was fun. Hey, did you see this cool detail? No, because I fucking zippity doo da dayed right to the end and didn't take time to stop and smell the fucking roses. Time. Okay? That is time. Could I beat that's Horizon? And that's your time. You motherfucker again. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Versus. Please keep your eye on the Megadad's Twitter account, at Megadad's blog, where you can vote on the winner of today's debate. Be sure to join us next time, and remember, you're never wrong if you believe you're right. Welcome back to Megadad's Live. Those two. They are. Get a room, right? I, I, I like it when we get those two together. Um, my my cat right now is having an absolute aneurysm in this, this room. This is kind of fun. Like we're doing a we're doing a Skype call for this, and I can see on your video, like every three seconds, you turn and throw mm-hmm. something across the room. <laughs> like you're running out of things there to uh, I mean, try to murder your cat with. Well, she plays catch, or she plays <laughs> fetch. That's, a, that's a dog, John. This is what my cat does. So she will find like a Barbie skirt or some little toy and she'll run and she'll drop it in my lap and she'll jump down on the floor and look at me and I throw it across the room and she'll run and grab it. Are you sure you don't just have a dog? I'm fairly certain I purchased a cat, but this (laughs) cat loves to play fetch and it, it, it's cute for about 30 seconds. And then it's like, leave me the fuck alone. Speaking of uh, stupid pets, Mm -hmm. um, my kids, yeah, are. Uh, I'm. I'm beginning to get a little worried about their uh, mental. Capacity. I'm worried about your kids too. Yeah. Uh, so Elliot, the other day, mm-hmm. he uh, he comes out of the. He, he goes to take a shit, right? Yeah. Comes out. As bathroom, one does. Comes out of the bathroom. He's been. He's been having extremely quick bathroom breaks because he's been playing up ass ton of ps5 and he's and he'll pause it and he'll be like hold on i gotta go poop and he'll run out of the room 
and he'll come back at super fast. I'll be like, did you wipe your butt? And he'll be like, he gives me this look like clearly he didn't wipe his butt, right? Clearly. Like, get in there, wipe your butt. So he goes in, all sheepish like, comes back out. I'm like, I didn't hear the toilet flush. <laughs> and he's like, well, I put it in the garbage can. Oh, no. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, that's no, 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 no. Get in there. Put that in the toilet where it belongs. Can you imagine wiping your ass and putting it in the (laughs) wastebasket? Like what? What enters your head? Like there's only one place that poop goes for your whole life. There's only one place that poop goes away from you. Away and out of sight and down the hole. (laughs) Yep. No, put it in the put it in the garbage can, and then uh, on the daughter. That would make you so Christmas crackered. On the <laughs> on the daughter front. Um, we we play uh, hide and seek at night sometimes. It's like a family game. Whole sure. family goes and we take turns. Kids, it's a round. Everybody gets a, everybody gets a turn. We rotate. Who counts? And everybody else hides. And uh, it's my daughter's turn to to seek. My three-year-old daughter, although, by the way, can't count for shit. <laughs> right? That seems to One, be five, something crucial 15, to 17, 20. Here I come. Uh, she found me, and so I was helping her look for uh, my wife. And uh, my daughter, no joke, dead serious. Mm-hmm. These were the places that she expected my wife to be. Uh, the first one was under a folded up blanket <laughs> laying flat on our bed. Um, okay. The The second spot was in my sock drawer. <laughs> <laughs> she looks at me and she goes, oh, Daddy, I know. I know where she is. I'm like, where is she? And she goes over and opens my sock drawer. And then the third spot was in the toilet. All three of these spots, she wasn't being silly. She was 100% convinced my wife was under a folded up blanket, in my sock drawer, or in the toilet. Okay. I'm pretty sure my wife drank heavily during pregnancy. Because I don't know how else to explain this. We've tried so hard. Uh, this kid is so damaged. I think I think we've discussed before that we there seems to be a definite case of second kid syndrome, <laughs> where <laughs> our second born are just touched just, in such a special way. They're just off. They're just yeah. off. Oh, I love it though. Yeah. I think I, I, I would kind of rather have that than just like a boring kid. Like I want <laughs> I want a kid that's like you're 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 pretty messed up. Just, you're you're pretty crazy. It's fun now when they're three, but think of the medical bills down the line. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's gonna be a lot of therapy later. Oh god. But right now it's funny as shit. Should we talk about some games, John? We should. We got a lot of games to talk about. We're an we're an hour deep into this episode. We better start talking about some games. And I think okay. there's a no better place to start than than the big the big man himself, Spider-Man, Miles Morales. 
Spider-Man Miles Morales is an action-adventure game developed by Insomniac, and it's available right now on the PlayStation 5 and the PlayStation 4 if you're a complete loser. All right. Yeah, you're not wrong about that. The I the Spider-Man or the PlayStation 4. I was tempted to play this game on my PlayStation 4 because I didn't want to wait till I get a 5 next year. Uh-huh. Uh, and I did some research and pretty much everything I heard from people was like, don't do that. <laughs> just don't do that. Really? Yeah. Just because like it's better to just hold out or or it's not good. I, I've heard I, I've heard some people uh, specifically say that it gets, it gets really, really chuggy towards the end of the game. Oh, some yeah? of the scene, some of the scenes and I don't know what happens, but really push it too far and it just stutters like like you know our president elect <laughs> oh no oh no i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry that was uh okay so i'm gonna wait till playstation 5 okay well so tell me all about it tell me what i'm missing let me tell you this this game i am I'm quite surprised and impressed that they were able to turn this around in the two years since Marvel's Spider-Man. It is a more compact experience for sure. Uh, I I think most people would agree that the original Spider-Man had a little fluff to it, right? Yeah, it's an open world game. It kind of comes with the territory. Yeah, I mean, like there were missions where there was like five missions where you would chase pigeons. Yeah, like <laughs> so. Oh, I forgot about the pigeons. So Miles Morales is a lean, mean version of 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 Spider Man. Uh, mm-hmm. It's got a campaign which runs about eight hours. It's got side mission content, much like the original Spider Man game, but it's much more interesting and it's delivered in a much more uh, exciting way, I guess. Like Miles has like a, a phone app. That mm-hmm. keeps track of all of these side quests, and so people will will call him or or leave him messages on his app if they need help. And so you'll pull up your phone and you'll like scroll through the missions and how far along you are on these missions. And it's just it's just more fun, right? Yeah. Um, Miles himself plays similarly to Peter. Like you can do all the same things. The swinging is as you know fun as it ever was. The combat is very similar in the sense that it's very fast and fluid, lots of combos, lots of zipping in and out. Um, it, it feels the same, but it's, I would say, more youthful and energetic. The animation yeah. helps a lot with that, where Miles, um, he's just more animated, like his, his arms and his legs and his stances and the way, like, when he swings through the air, he kind of pinwheels his arms and legs, and it just right. it, it looks more... Um, imprecise whereas Peter is a, a, a more um, uh, veteran superhero right. like he, he does, does it kind of look like how it looked in into the spider verse where he kind of you know flailed around a little bit as he's as he's swinging through the city do they, did they kind of try and mimic that yeah look? you can tell there's a lot of inspiration there because that's a lot of what it is where it's just it's you know he's a kid and so he's zipping through the air and he's showing off and he's spinning around more. And sometimes it looks like he's about to lose control, even though you have control the whole time. But the animation just makes it feel like this is a kid who's just 
learning to do this. Um, the combat itself is different enough from the first game where Peter had a lot of gadgets, right? Like we talked about this when we spoke on the last game where there's a huge gadget wheel of things yeah. that you could upgrade from from like little spider drones to the trip wires to the electric webs. Miles has a much smaller arsenal, uh, like probably less than half of what Peter had. But they make up for it in his different spider powers that he has that Peter doesn't. The venom strike, the electricity attacks, and mm-hmm. the camouflage. That that interjects itself into the combat way more than any of the gadgets. So you'll often find yourself not really utilizing your gadgets much because those powers fill that gap. Mm-hmm. So it's a different kind of combat experience and i found myself playing this game thinking like that's how they'll do uh, a proper spider-man sequel and still keep these two separate still keep it like if if you want more of the the arsenal you're going to use your peter but if you want to be a little bit faster and sneakier and use the powers more, you'll be the Miles. So they did it in a way where it's like, you're not going to go back to Spider, the original Spider-Man and be like, oh, but I don't have this and I don't have that because it kind of leans both ways. Miles doesn't have all the things Peter does. Peter doesn't have all the things Miles does. And they're both equally fun, but just it it feels different, which is really sure. cool. Like, I think that's really a clever way to do it because like if you just make Miles better you know just default better why are you mm-hmm. ever going to want to go back and play as peter peter's never going right. to develop these superpowers you know but peter has that scientist tech gadget thing that that you know makes his experience different and fun in a I've different always, way i've always wondered and i don't know that much about miles morales as a character and obviously it's superhero crap so it doesn't really matter have you ever explained why he can turn invisible and has like electricity power Ah. Uh, because <laughs> like he got his power he got his power from a spider too right he was bit by yeah, a spider right, like deer yep, yep. I've, I've just always kind of wondered like there's said that you know he's not just like other spider-man with the same powers he's got very distinct powers right, right. I've, I've always kind of wondered where if they've tried to explain how he has those powers they do a really cool job of introducing those powers in this game Mm-hmm. But like, not in a way of like, this is why he can do it. It's just like right. they 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 put that into the story. So there are certain key moments in the story where all of a sudden he has a new power at a certain yeah. moment, and it's like really cool um, how it comes to be. But um, but no, they don't do any sort of like explanation as to why he has these different powers or anything like that. Um, the storyline is really cool, uh, touching and emotional really good writing like just top tier playstation studio kind of writing like you would expect you know like Mm -hmm. this is what they do well is these story-based adventure games and miles is you know right up there with with the best of them great acting i found you know like in the original spider-man game i wasn't really impressed with miles as a character like nothing about his performance was made him a standout character to me. Right. So when when this game was announced, like obviously Spider-Verse was a big thing and we're all excited to play as Miles, but I kept thinking of like the video game version of Miles never really did anything for me. But mm-hmm. um he absolutely 
kills uh, the leading role in this game. It's it's such a heartwarming story, and, and it's more uh, localized to to this character. You know, it isn't such a great, big, open, save-the-world kind of adventure. It's right. located around his neighborhood. He's Harlem's friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, and they do a really good job of um, of just uh, messaging representation, I guess, of this yeah. character. And there's a really sweet moment in the game where one of the residents of Harlem, he's like, that's our Spider-Man. And it's just like, it's just something really heartwarming about that, of thinking of how many kids um, who are growing up now think of Miles as their Spider-Man. I mean, Elliot... Elliot hasn't ever known that there's just a Peter Parker. Like, Miles kind of is his Spider-Man. And then you right. think about people of color and how right. great that's got to be to have a character who's, you know, bilingual and biracial and a young... He's, he's younger and more in tune to what people are going through today and just to have that kind of representation is really awesome. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the last couple of years, just kind of the pop culture conversation... I feel like it's swinging in that direction where Miles is Spider-Man. Right. You know, he. I feel like he's the more popular Spider-Man these days. Yeah, and there's a great moment, and and they, they, you know, they address that in the game where at the beginning he's, you know, he's still learning, he's coming into his own, but he's in the shadow of Peter. At mm-hmm. the beginning of the game, Peter steps away, and Miles has to assume this role. And um, his his best friend in the game, his name is Genki, and he's kind of like his uh, he's his gadget man. He's his guy in the ear, you know. He's his sidekick, right. um, and he he talks to Miles, and he's like, every time you say Spider Man, you're talking about the other guy, but you're Spider Man too. And I like that they don't give him a different name. No, he's Spider Man. Spider Man right. means more than just you know, a specific person. And I think they do a great job of addressing, you know, Spider-Man means greatness and responsibility and caring about people and protecting people. And if you, you know, if you can live up to that, you are Spider-Man. But much in the way that the, that the Spider-Verse movie did, you know? All right. It's kind of interesting to point out that, like, most of these cases where a younger person takes on the mantle, he's either replacing the other person or they give him a different name. Right. But here it's just they're both just Spider-Man. Yep. So I I think this game is awesome. Uh, I've got a report card on it. Elliot is almost finished with his second playthrough. (laughs) Uh, That sounds right. I I will say that this game rewards that 100% playthrough, I think, more than the original Spider-Man. There's a lot of stuff hidden in here, including Mm -hmm. nods to the original game and characters that you might not expect to pop up. So if right. you're gonna play this game, and you know, and that suits a game that's only ten hours, I'll go say it's for that. Much com- easier to really go yeah. back and do that. Yeah, go for that completionist because there's a lot of stuff in here that you know, if you just do the campaign and think you're done and set it aside, you might miss some really cool stuff. Um, yeah. So it's a fantastic launch game, absolutely. Ah, I'm I'm anxious to get my hands on it. Should we move on to what I've been spending most of my time with? Let's do it. All right. Assassin's Creed Valhalla is an open-world action role-playing game developed by Ubisoft Montreal, published by Ubisoft, and available right now 
on the PlayStation and Xbox platforms, as well as Google Stadia and PC. Assassin's Creed. The Assassins. The Vikings. The Vikings. Skull. Skull Assassin's Creed. They say that a lot, actually. In no, this they game. They'll be drinking and they'll be like, SCORE! Do they do the thing where they clap over their heads and then have a really terrible season? And then the game just falls apart in like the last fourth of it, like the last <laughs> quarter. It just goes to shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, so this is the latest in the, I guess, reinvention of Assassin's Creed. Uh, the third game in which they have kind of turned this franchise into a action RPG as opposed to a just strictly kind of stealth action game. Uh, It's the conclusion of this trilogy that they have started with uh, the character Layla, who is the uh, future or present time character. This, This game is supposed to wrap up her arc. Uh, she has an arc? <laughs> Presumably to start something new with, with the next game, when the next game comes down the road. Um, I was... Obviously, this is one of my all-time favorite franchises. Uh, I loved it in the beginning. It took a real dip, I feel like, in quality with games like Syndicate and Unity. Uh towards the beginning of the Xbox One and and PlayStation 4 launches. But I really think found its footing with Origins and Odyssey. Odyssey, I thought, was an incredible game, even though it felt not very connected to the lore of Assassin's Creed. And I feel like Valhalla is potentially the best melding of old style and new style that they've done yet. Um, It's probably one of my favorite Assassin's Creed so far in the franchise. Uh, I'm only, I'm about 24 hours into it, which still feels fairly. I'm only 24 hours into it. Well, it's, it's a big ass game. And when I look at the map, I think I'm I don't think I've even unlocked half of the map yet. Um, so it, I, it still has the feeling that it's early, Jesus even though Christ. even though I am 24 hours into the game. So you play as Eivor, who is a Viking warlord, and the game starts out in Norway with your clan. And you and a bunch of your clan decide that you are going to leave Norway, leave your settlement because you do not like the direction that the leadership is going. And you travel to England to start anew. Some other Vikings have traveled ahead of you, you know, over time. And you're going to go there. You're going to meet up with them and you're going to start your own life with your crew. You take a couple of dozen people sail across the ocean. You arrive in England, um, you find the settlement that the previous Vikings had had started, but nobody is there anymore. You don't know what happened to them. Uh, so you kind of take over their settlement 
and the the big overarching kind of structure of this game is that you are working to build this settlement and build back better build back better Mm -hmm. that's that's what it's all about and to kind of reach out to the areas around you and, and form partnerships and coalitions with all of the kings around England. So one of the very cool things, one of my favorite things about this new game, which is new to this, is this settlement. Uh, in a lot of Assassin's Creed games, you're just kind of traveling from place to place to place. Now you have a home base and everything revolves around this home base. All your story arcs start here and you return there when it is all done. Okay. Um, you expand and build this settlement over time by doing raids in nearby small towns. You can find supplies uh, to build new buildings. Wait, so you you build your settlement by fucking with people that live around you? Yeah, I mean so you're, you're a, a real ass Viking. You're a real ass Viking. So okay. yeah, you you'll, you'll come up on like a, a small village and you'll you know you can take out torches and you throw it and you burn shit down and you kill people and you take all their shit. So you're an actual villain in this game. A, a little bit, yeah. a little bit. Huh? Interesting. So yeah, and you can build all these new buildings. You your your settlement levels up, and each time it levels up, you get the ability to add more buildings. Uh, there's like a little fishing area because there's a fishing mini game. Of course. And you can add a blacksmith. You can add stables. You can add uh, livestock, uh, a place to get tattoos. You can customize your character. There's just, there's probably, I don't know, 15 or 20 buildings that you can build over time to improve this settlement. And each time it kind of unlocks new new abilities, new customizations, you know, a shop that you can, that you can get. Um, there is a kind of a, a hub area alongside the river. Cause you, you travel to all these places in England on your Viking long boat and you can customize the crew that is on that boat. Uh, you pick a second command, which is a person that you can fully customize and equip with um, gear that will always be with you on your raiding party. Um, as you complete missions around the world, you can find new people to recruit. You can pay them to come join you and put them on your boat. So you can customize people that are going on these raiding parties with you as well. So it, it's really cool to have this awesome home that you're always at. There's all these characters there. You're always building up. And it just feels really good as opposed to just roaming around the world. Are you an assassin uh, anymore? So, okay, yes. And and this is another thing I like. Well, not technically yet. I felt like Odyssey wasn't really tied in very much with this lore of the series. But early on in this game, you come over with your uh, half-brother who has been traveling the world for years, exploring all over the place. And he comes back and he brings two friends with him, two people that have joined him that he met in his journeys. 
and immediately you know it's two guys in the very familiar white and red robes. It's two assassins that he met, and they are now traveling alongside with him. So, like in a when, sexy way, uh, yeah, like a like a sexy way. <laughs> so when you meet them, they kind of start telling you about their history and and the history of their order. And a, one of the buildings you can eventually build is a a little headquarters for their order. And they give you a hidden blade and they teach you the whole, you know, diving from fucking 10 stories up into the hay. Like they're teaching you all these tricks. Let me teach you about hay. (laughs) (laughs) This is a thing we have done for hundreds of years. (laughs) And, And by going to their building, they will show you uh, they will assign you different missions for hunting down uh, Templars, okay. or as they're called back then, the Order of the Ancients. Because time-wise, this game is after Origins and Odyssey, but it's before anything else in the series. Okay. So they're called the Order of the Ancients. They're not known as the Templars yet. But it, it just right away felt like, okay, this is tied to that story Mm -hmm. much more than the other games felt and then like I said you are exploring the world and I feel like they do a really good job of making of structuring all of your story arcs to feel like episodes of a TV series like you've got a big war room in your in your built your main I can't remember what they call it the long I don't remember the long house or something like that in your Viking village you've got a war table it's got the map you find a region which you are going to go out and try and you know befriend these people and that starts a quest which usually takes you know several hours to complete you travel to this to this area each one is a very self-contained story with unique characters uh, that are really well done, interesting characters, interesting stories. Um, but then when you complete that, you kind of go back to the war table and and you mark that off as, as a new ally and you can start a new one. And it just feels really good that it, it, feel, it doesn't feel disjointed the way some open world games are that you're just kind of bouncing around between storylines and quests like this it feels very segmented and episodic in that way okay but they're all very interesting stories with interesting characters um so yeah you go complete that you go back to the war table and and you expand your reach and you expand uh your you know your partnership with kings and leaders in the region I've heard this game is janky as fuck. Is that true? Um, yes and no. Okay. When I started it on the Xbox One, it felt remarkably janky. It felt rougher than any Assassin's Creed game I've played in a while. As soon as I transferred to the Series X, that smoothed out nearly everything. Okay. It, it runs beautifully. Uh, I don't really notice hardly any, you know, little glitches. Obviously, it's open world, so 
there's, you know, times where you're, you know, running and jumping and you kind of get hung up on, you know, geometry or, or you know, physics based weirdness. Yeah, the, the kind of shit that you're going to find in an open world game right. uh, like that. But by large, all of that shit was ironed out once I moved over to the Series X. Okay. So it runs really smooth. It feels a bit more condensed than the other games. The world what? is... What? You just said you're at the beginning and you had 24 hours. <laughs> but but the map is... I feel like the map is smaller. Oh my than, god. ...than previous games. It does not feel as huge as other games. How long did it take you to beat Odyssey? I think I put like 60, 70 hours into that. And I also like how... You know, Ubisoft, open world games have a thing where you open your map and you're like overwhelmed with the shit on screen. Uh-huh. So much to do. And they've done a good job of kind of it's still got almost as much stuff, you know, as normal. But they've done a really good job and this is a small thing but I like it of not making it feel very overwhelming because anytime there's like a treasure kind of quest it's just kind of a gold little shimmer of light that twinkles in a certain area. Or if it's a world, I think they call them world stories or world mysteries, which is like a side quest. It's just a little blue glimmer of light in an area. So it's not like icon, 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 icon. You know, it's just these little twinkles of light among, you know, like your main icons that are for like town or a main story quest. So while there's still a lot to do, you don't open it up and go, oh my god, what do I, where do I even begin? So I, I just feel like they've refined the formula in such a way that it just, it both feels like its own story, but also tied to, you know, the, the franchise's history and, and feels fresh in the gameplay, but also kind of is, is refining what they've done before. Uh, it just seems like the best blend that they've had so far. Okay. Um, it also has a nice little callback to Assassin's Creed 2 where you find these glitches in the Animus scattered around the world. Uh, I remember and, those. And usually it's some kind of like a, a parkourish little mission or like thing you have to do. But when you complete it, you get a tiny little snippet of like a video. Yeah, I you remember that. You remember I that remember from the that. old one? Yep. So they do that again, and I've only gotten like one or two of these, but it's like, oh, I want to... I rem- I love that so much in the old games that it's like, I want to find them all now and piece together this, whatever this story is, whatever this little mystery video is. And I thought that was really cool, too. I'm going to spend a hot take. Okay. Hot take! And I'm going to say that the worst thing this franchise ever did was abandon the future stuff. Mm-hmm. I think the greatest thing about Assassin's Creed of old was finding out not only that like the world of old was connected to Desmond, but mm-hmm. connected in important ways and unraveling a mystery that that was integral to the Assassin's Creed experience. Every yep. chapter of those early Assassin's Creed games bonded those future 
chapters and those past chapters. And then there was even a fantastic um, part of, I think, Ezio's final game where his story was coming to a close and he discovered that someone was observing him and watching him from another plane of existence, which was obviously Desmond. And he spoke directly to Desmond telling him, my story is ending here, but I understand that I am a small part of a larger puzzle. And even though I will never know what any of this means, I am giving you my knowledge so that you can carry this story forward. And I thought like that, that to me, that was Assassin's Creed. And as soon as this franchise lost that, I feel it, it completely lost me. Like I have no interest in playing any of these games, knowing that they're all just like as great as they may be. They're all just like standalone pieces and -hmm. they don't mean anything bigger. I feel like early Assassin's Creed was about something so much bigger than the sum of its parts. And I feel like everything you've said about the last several games was, yeah, the future stuff is disposable. That's like, well, then what's the point? Like, I don't get it. Like that was so masterfully done, especially in those Ezio chapters of, you know, as far apart as Desmond and Ezio were, they were tied together with this with this grander mystery, which mm-hmm. ultimately ended up fizzling out and, and being a fart of an ending. But <laughs> but it was there, you know, and this game isn't any better in that respect. I, I've played as the future character one time in my 24 hours, and it was just kind of like. I can tell they're trying, you know, but it's just not hitting the way that those games did you know even though there is a neat moment uh and this isn't like a big spoiler but when you're in the future you know like they've done lately you can kind of leave the animus anytime you want to go to the future and just kind of walk around and search the computer for little story bits and stuff like that and early on in this game i'm digging around the laptop and i found these uh hidden recordings from of Desmond really that I was listening to and I was like oh look at that it's it's Nolan North as as Desmond and it's like mm. it's it's neat that it's there and it's like oh yeah remember that but also it makes you realize that they've just never been able to make that part of the story yeah interesting or important since then which makes me glad, actually, that I hear that this is kind of tying up that character arc because it's obviously not working. This character, this Layla character, is just not resonating with me, and it's better off that they just kind of start something new with that. Okay. So moving on from a giant open-world 80-hour RPG to... A little pack-in game takes you about five hours. <laughs> Astro's Playroom is a 3D platformer developed by Team Asobi, and it's available only on the PlayStation 5. John. Yeah. Remember when we played Astrobot's Rescue Mission in PSVR? Yes, and we just gushed over it. And uh, played that thing through and through. 
hours and hours and hours. And then we're like, hundred percent it. And we're like, do you think this is a good game, or do you think it's just the VR? Right? Mm-hmm. Like you always have that in the back of your head. Like, would this work outside of VR, or is that the thing? Uh, that's not the thing because Astro's Playroom is so much fun. Team Asobi is, I, I, I dare say, the best 3D platformer uh, developer right now. This game is more fun to me than Mario Odyssey. Uh, I, uh. I absolutely love this game. Um, controls are tight. There's diversity in in gameplay where they keep giving you new and interesting power ups that function completely differently thanks to the power of the DualSense controller. Uh, you can be a little spring froggy guy that does side uh, side scrolling platforming. Uh, you turn into a robot monkey and you do all this really cool uh, mountain climbing. You do uh, a super monkey ball style game where you go into a little rolly ball and you use the touchpad to roll this ball around an obstacle course. Uh, The entire thing is split up into four main worlds uh, that are all attributed to different generations of PlayStation. So this game is a, a, a museum, like a love letter to the history of the PlayStation brand. And as you complete these levels, the collectibles that you find in each level are things from that era of PlayStation. So if you're in one world that's all about PS1, you're gonna find things like the PlayStation LED screen. Remember the old flip up screen that they had for the PS1 where you could actually play games on the console without having a TV Uh, or the multi-tap or uh, there's um, the PlayStation iToy, things like that. And as you play these superly uh, well-crafted 3D platforming levels, and you're being sprinkled with all of these cool collectibles that you put into your playroom for like an ultimate PlayStation museum, there are also the best cameos and Easter eggs you will ever see in a damn video game all about games that have appeared throughout the span of PlayStation history. And not just Sony games, um, but games that, you know, Sony has partnered with and iconic games to that generation of PlayStation. So you're going to see little mini Astro Buddies cosplaying and acting out scenes from video games throughout that, that have appeared throughout the history of PlayStation. And I don't know if I've ever grinned so much for so long in a video game in my life where I just, my cheeks hurt. I never stopped smiling at this damn adorable little game, John. Do you feel like everything everything I've heard about this game is it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Is that it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Does it feel a little bit like a Sobe team is kind of where don't don't take this the wrong way at first. Let me finish my thought. That they're kind of where Rare was a few years ago at Xbox, where it's a really super talented team that's not being used to its full potential. Uh, in, yeah, I know in what that, you're saying. In that, like, if they are so good and these games are so great why haven't they been taken off the leash? Right. And, you know, I loved 
rescue mission, but it was very much like a, a VR tech demo kind of. And this is obviously a very short thing tied to this controller. Wouldn't you love to see them just develop a full Astrobot, big Mario style game, like a full fledged platformer? I, I'm hoping that's where we're going. I mean, obviously, the two games that they've had so far have been um, critically acclaimed, very critically beloved. acclaimed, but also hardware showpieces. Right. Astro was made to showcase what could be done in VR, and it did that. But not only did it do that, it was a freaking fantastic game mm -hmm. in its own right. This is kind of the same thing where it's like, yes, this is a this is a game that showcases the dual sense. But even even if even aside from that, it's fantastic platforming. It is it, it's not as expansive as rescue mission mm -hmm. but it's that same thing where it's like this is just a great game that yep. is so much more than what people think it is because it's being marketed and pushed as this is a dual sense demo and it's a pack-in game which are you know there's not a lot of hype generally about something like that there's a lot to this game i mean this yes there's only four worlds but they're pretty long there's probably like you know 20 minutes to beat each world and then with all of the unlockables and things that you can do in addition to that and the hub world is you know you know iconic 3d platformer hub world where there's a lot of uh secrets in there as well for you to explore and things to find how long did it take you to to finish it do you think all in all i mean i i still haven't unlocked everything but i say mm -hmm. i've probably put in like five hours to it yeah i would just love to see them really like make Astro the face of PlayStation. And that's clearly what like this game and, and, and Rescue Mission was like, oh, look at those cool little Easter eggs. Look at those things right. of, of the PlayStation. And this game is just like, that's in your face nonstop. Um, yeah. So it's like they brought back that old console platformer icon mascot mm -hmm. character in Astro. And it works so well because there's no better 3D platforming on consoles today than what Team Asobi has done in these two games with Astro. It's just tight and fun, and there's so much charm and character to it. Like, it's it's a Nintendo game for PlayStation. There's just, right. that's what it screams, is like, this is as good as anything Nintendo puts out in, in the character-centric, you know, platformer department. But they're, but they're doing it for PlayStation, and that's what I love so much about it. Is like, you know, I'm obviously a huge PlayStation super fan. PlayStation has a long legacy, but they've never really done anything like this where they acknowledge that they are that brand. You know, Nintendo right. is so good at being Nintendo. Like the name itself calls to mind so much joy and family friendly fun, and Astro is doing that for PlayStation and acknowledging how integral this this company has been to gaming. I mean, you see everything from Metal Gear Solid to Silent Hill, Devil May Cry, uh, Last of Us. There, like, there's callbacks to all of these big games throughout the history of the platform where you just, you play this and you're like, man, like, they've really 
been a part of some of the greatest moments in gaming. And I'm and I'm glad that they that they're able to do this in a way that isn't like self-gratifying. It's charming. You know? Yeah. Like it's not it's not like uh gag and here's Sony patting themselves on the back. They do it in such a charming way to that just makes you feel good about about everything that you've played before. And as an old guy who's been playing games forever, like this game called back to the very first PlayStation game you and I ever played. Jumping Flash is in this game. Yeah. And like I, I'm not ashamed to say I teared up because there is so <laughs> much history here. And it's done in such a way where it's not like you know, it's not beating you over the head with it. It's just like, oh my god, I remember that. Right. And I, I had so much fun with this game, and it's for real one of the best games you can play on your PlayStation 5 right now, and it's no additional cost. Absolutely fantastic. And the dual sense, my god, like Nick said in our Thanksgiving special, this game will spoil the dual sense in other games. He ain't he ain't lying because everything everything in this game interacts with that controller uh, from the tension in the triggers when you're when you're your little spring frog character you can feel it to uh, walking through a windstorm and hearing it come through the speakers uh, there's a part in the game where there's a, a storm builds up progressively through the level and at first it's just raining and it's cloudy and a little windy. And then it starts hailing, and Astro pulls out an umbrella, and you can hear the little tink, 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 tink of the hail hitting your umbrella through the speaker in the controller, and then you can obviously feel it as well. It's like every little thing in this game comes through that controller, and uh, it's 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 a thing. Like it's a for real experience. I've I've heard people say that without this game. The dual sense probably wouldn't be as revered as it is right now. I mean, this like this this is the game yeah. that proves, you know, it's it's the proof of concept. It proves what it can do, like no other game. And it, it know, like uh, it does it ten times better than the second best utilization right. of the dual sense. Um, so it's like. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm waiting to see what the next wave of games can do with this thing. Like, I can only imagine what Ratchet, with all of his different weapons and gadgets, and you would have to imagine that game's going to heavily use it. It just right. seems natural. So it seems like this game was the first game out of the gate that's like, let me show you what we can do. And while other games use it, they don't use it like this. So it's like, right. okay, what's that next wave of games going to be like? And if it's anything like this, we are in for some really interesting experiences uh, with this controller on this platform. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Groovy. Well, should we move on from a revolutionary experience like you've never had before to something that feels maybe like 15 years old? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War is a first-person shooter developed by Treyarch, Raven Software, and Beanox, 
published by Activision, and it's available right now on PC and Xbox and PlayStation platforms. Call of Duty. You know, it gets hard sometimes to, to list all these platforms. There's so dang many. Well, yeah. not only that, but you listed like 15 developers that worked on this game, too. <laughs> well, you know, Call of Duty's kind of been this thing lately where it's like you got your single player, you got your multiplayer, you got your zombie, zombie bit. And yeah, so here's here's the deal. Call of Duty is a game, is a franchise that I come to for one reason and one reason only. I don't really care about multiplayer. I might think around in it a little bit, but that's not why I'm here. I have no interest in zombies. I come for the single player campaign and I come for a really stupid action packed Jerry Bruckheimer type movie. Yeah. That's going to be really exciting for about four or five hours. (laughs) And then I'm going to forget about. And that's what I do. That's what I've always enjoyed about these games. Mm-hmm. I really liked the last, uh, mo- the last year's Modern Warfare. Okay. I thought that one was a really good one of those things. I thought it was fun. It was exciting. It was visually, you know, thrilling. So I was excited for next gen to jump into this and and, and get another one of those things. This game fails on so many levels to be interesting in any way. Ugh. Uh, it, so the Black Ops franchise isn't one that I've, you know, been attached to really in the past. I think I played the first one, maybe a little bit of another one. This game feels so dated and so un not visually, but just from like a gameplay perspective, you know, Call of Duty hasn't revolutionized their gameplay uh, almost ever, (laughs) but there's, there's always at least been some really interesting bits and moments. Mm Mm-hmm big great action set pieces that are like really you know like with modern warfare last year there was a really exciting moment uh, when you're in a u.s embassy that's being attacked and outside you can see protesters surrounding the building and slowly they're breaking in and they're banging on the windows and you're trying to get people evacuated and it was it was a really exciting thrilling scenario that I don't remember ever playing anything quite like that. Mm-hmm. Playing this, I feel like I've done missions like this a hundred times before. Uh, and none of it is that interesting. And sounds like it's Christmas crackered. <laughs> <laughs> none of the none of the set piece moments are that thrilling. You know, it doesn't even managed to be a completely shallow but fun shooting gallery because even like the shooting gallery stuff just feels tired and the story is completely forgettable and the acting is so just bad and cliche and let's go get them sons of bitches and (laughs) 
<laughs> like, just like, you know, and coming from somebody who like, I love Gears of War. So I don't mind like meathead macho kind of bullshit from time to time. But this just seems so blandly delivered and so boring that I just found myself like, and it feels shorter than the other Call of Duty campaign. Oh, you already finished it? Like, I feel like I got to the last mission in like, I don't know, three, four hours. But I still managed to be bored in that time. <laughs> and and then here's the kicker. I haven't been able to finish the game because I got to the last mission, but it crashes my console every time I try and play it. Every time? I've tried about the last, you know, I had a couple crashes throughout the game. But once I hit this last mission, it's done it about four or five times now. Where every time I try and play this segment, it freezes and turns off my Xbox. Oh my God. So I just kind of said, well, fuck it. I guess I don't care. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't feel like, oh, whatever. I guess I'm just done with this now. I wasn't that invested in what was about to happen. I didn't really care story-wise. It's just like, well, I guess that seems fitting that the game is just going to shit out and crash on me so that I can't even finish it. Oh, my God. Uh, I would be hard pressed to find almost anything nice to say about it. Wow. And like I said, I don't care about multiplayer. Warzone is its own thing, which I've actually enjoyed. Uh, from the last, you know, it's kind of a separate little entity. They're, 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 what do you call those? Uh, you know, battle Royale, right? Battle Royale mode. And I think that's a perfectly good one of those things. And people should just keep playing that because there's just really nothing here to grab onto and say, this part is interesting or this part is worth checking out because it just doesn't do it. Wow. I mean, visually, it's okay. Not mind-blowing in any sense. I feel like I was more impressed with Last Gen's Modern Warfare visually than I am with this. Uh, It's just a bummer through and through. It can't all be winners. It can't all be winners. And, you know, let me me just ask you this. Uh Uh-huh. Do you think, like, the state of the world has any impact on your feeling playing a game like this just like with global politics and national politics like you don't really want to play uh, a fucking politically charged war game right now uh no i don't think that really has much to do with it just sucks shit no matter what (laughs) it just sucks shit (laughs) (laughs) all right yeah okay let me try and find one nice thing to say about this game i'm gonna say one nice thing there was one level that I was like, okay, this is super positive. <laughs> there's a, this game takes place in 1981. And there's a level early on where I don't know what the fuck you're doing. You're looking for <laughs> bad guys. But you end up in this base. And in the middle of this base is a training center for the bad guys. Okay. And the training center is built. It's like a big, like almost football stadium sized, uh, model 
of like a suburban neighborhood with like uh, a mall and a movie theater and like an arcade and you're kind of going through that and you know you're going through the arcade and there's like old uh, Activision arcade games you can actually stop and play um, and just like a very retro 80s town that you're going through but it's all kind of like cardboard makeup shit mm-hmm. that was probably the one point of the game where I was like oh this is kind of cool and, and then it's over and then the rest, <laughs> of, it, the rest of it is crap Okay. So, unless you're that hard up for the multiplayer which is what I think most people care about okay. I can't really speak to it because that's not my thing but if you're like me and you love the single player ones feel fine skipping this one you are not missing a thing all right let's move on to a little bit more positive experience something i actually like something you like yeah all right what are we gonna talk about next tetris tetris effect connected is a puzzle game developed by monstars resonaire and stage games those are words published by Enhanced Games, and it's available right now on Xbox platforms and PC. Did you poop your pants during the middle of that? It sounded like you pooped. I might have tooted a little bit. Yeah. Might have tooted just a smidge. Just get a little bit of that Call of Duty funk out of your body. Yeah, I had to expel it from my from my, my uh, colon. <laughs> <sighs> Tetris Effect connected, Adam. This is a uh, expansion, I would say, on the Tetris Effect game, which came out mm, two years ago, maybe. Uh, debuted on the PlayStation VR. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, in many ways, the same experience. They have added both a cooperative and a competitive mode to the game. And it's a really good damn Tetris game. Yeah? It's a really good damn Tetris game. I played uh, the one on PlayStation VR and I really liked it at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't stick with it for very long. I feel like for some reason, I don't know what it is, this time around it's just kind of clicking more with me. I think just lounging on the couch, traditionally looking at my TV. Yeah. Uh, experience Not having to strap anything to your face. Not having to strap anything in my face. Uh, a big part of this game is the visual presentation, which is very immersive on, on PlayStation VR, and that's a cool experience. But obviously, the display on PlayStation VR is not very impressive. Right. Whereas playing it on uh, a 4K TV with the ray tracing and the HDR and all that shit, it's just like pops more mm-hmm. than it did there mm-hmm. um so it just i don't know it just feels like this is maybe the more the more comfortable way for me to play it right um and it's just a it's you know it, there's not a lot to say about it because it's tetris right <laughs> uh, but it's but it's a really really damn good tetris game uh, the music is it's tetris is, on drugs basically right it's tetris it's tetris on lsd right you know, you've got the cool visuals kind of flowing around you that change with what you're doing and the music that thumps and changes every time you drop a block or get a Tetris, you know, the musical change when those blocks hit. Um, 
it's it's just very satisfying a complete audiovisual experience while you're playing this very tried and true Tetris game. And it's Game Pass, right? And it's Game Pass, uh, so it's included. It's it's free with your subscription, which is great. A lot of the launch games are on the Series X. So I've really only bought one game for my Series X, Assassin's Creed. Everything else has been like Game Pass. Right. Um, I haven't tried the co-op or competitive yet, so it's funny. The one kind of thing that makes it different from the other versions, I haven't tried out yet. Uh, but they all sound very interesting. I think in the co-op mode, you can kind of you're playing on two separate you know, sets of tiles dropping down, but there are certain parts in the games where it'll combine and you have to like work together on the same one, which sounds very interesting. I just haven't tried it out yet. Um, I mean, that should be cross play. If I were to play it on my one X, right? Yeah. Yeah, it should be. Okay. So we should try that out sometime. Mm -hmm. Cause it sounds very interesting. Um, yeah, it's just a great, you know, it's not, you know, Oh my God, the launch exclusive that Xbox maybe, you know, needs, but it's one of those deals where it's another nice notch in the game pass library that if you love, you know, have enjoyed Tetris in the past, this is a really cool, unique way to, to experience that again. You know, I think if I feel like there's, Obviously, everybody talks about Game Pass. Everybody talks about Game Pass, Game Pass, Game Pass, Game Pass. And there are really great showpiece games on Game Pass. Mm-hmm. I just want like Xbox to have that one blockbuster that'll get people talking more about the overall experience. Because I kind of felt like that way with Minecraft Dungeons, where I'm like, why isn't anybody talking about Minecraft Dungeons? Like people talked about it when it first came out. Mm-hmm. But like I kept playing it and kept playing it. I'm like, my God, this is like the best game on the fucking Xbox. Nobody's talking about Minecraft Dungeons anymore. And I feel right. like this could be that Game Pass game for the holiday where it's just like it's Tetris. So nobody's really talking about it because it's Tetris. Right. But it's so good that it's like, why the fuck isn't anybody talking about Tetris? And I feel yeah. like if they had that one Series X like launch game to get more buzz about the games on that platform. I think more people would be talking then about Tetris, if that makes any sense. And, you know, they were put in that spot where it's like Halo was meant to be it. Right. And Halo was delayed very late. And you can't swap something else in its place that last second. So there were, you know, the, it's just, you know, there was nothing they could do, really. Right. You know, you, you couldn't just pluck another game out of the lineup and throw it in this holiday and be like, well, this is going to be the game instead. Because everyone's in the same boat, you know, and having to delay games and having to delay games. And I think there are a lot of really great games on on Game Pass. And some of them are, Tons you of know, great games. some of them are exclusive, like Tetris Effect. I'm very excited about Call of the Sea, which launches next month, and that's exclusive on the platform. It stars uh, Sissy Jones and Yuri Lowenthal, the voice of Peter Parker, uh, and I think that game looks fantastic. But there's there's not that big AAA headline grabbing game right. that can step in the place of Halo. So I'm hoping. 
that by next year, you know, things can calm down, schedules can get back on track, and those titles can start hitting to really, really show off how amazing both the hardware is and, and the value of Game Pass. Excellent. Well, I've, yes. got, I've got a few more games to talk about. I might I might not talk at length about these because we're already at the two-hour mark. Um, but I want to talk about a game that I think you would be very interested in, and I was very interested to review. Um, it's from Bloober Team, which we're both fans of the Bloober. Uh, we're going to talk about Observer System Redux. Observer System Redux is a horror adventure game developed by Bloober Team, and it's available right now on the PlayStation 5, the Xbox Series consoles, and PC. Now, Bloober Team is quickly becoming like the premier developer for horror, right? Other yeah, than, they're kind of getting a reputation. Yeah, other than like Capcom. But like Bloober is is kind of stepping into that Konami slot of delivering really cool psychological horror, like horror not shooting up zombies and monsters and shit, but like getting your brain messed with. And mm-hmm. Observer is a game that is literally all about messing up your brain. Um, it's a cyber. It's fairly messed up already, just it, to be clear. It, 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 just, just wait, just wait. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, a cyberpunk horror title, so it takes place in the year 2084 in Poland, and you're you're a cop, but you're you're a detective who can jack into the neural interface of other people so you hack into their brains right okay. and that's how you like interrogate people is you you like literally jacking it, jacking it on them you, you jack right onto jack. their right onto their uh court their cerebral cortex got it uh what's really interesting about this game is it starts as a pretty standard like crime mystery game mm-hmm. it's a rainy night you're a cop who gets a distress call from your son. He needs your help. Your estranged son who you haven't spoke to in a long time. You say, I'll be right there. And you end up going to his apartment, which is this really fantastically designed, like just slum of a building. But what's cool about it is it's so futuristic that there's all sorts of like holograms and neon lights and and cyber technology that enhances what would just be like a rundown apartment. So like when you first get there, the walls themselves are like streaming lights, like the matrix. Like you walk into this building and it's just like glowing lights that are cascading down the walls, like digital rain. And then before too long, there's a lockdown and the power goes out. And this digital wallpaper gives way to decrepit, crappy, wet, drippy pipes and collapsing walls and infrastructure. And it kind of like pulls the curtain back on what this place is really like, which is just a drug ass slum building, um, which has a ton of character. Like the building looks unique every everywhere you go. And every door has like a, uh, a screen on the face of it. And you can knock on the door or ring the bell and somebody will come to the door and you'll see like an extreme close up of their face and you can 
question them through the door. So like the environment is packed with character, right? And you come to this building and you're looking for your son and you find his apartment. And in the apartment is a corpse that is missing its head. Hmm. That's not good. And you don't know if it's your son or not, but you find some clues that lead you to different apartments in this same complex. So you're like on the trail trying to find out if that is your son, what happened to your son, where is your son? And it all connects in this really cool serial killer drama, right? Okay. And the further you go, you find more bodies and you have to investigate every scene and you like literally investigate a scene. You lock down the built the room that you're in, you search for evidence, um, you use your different your cybernetic implants, you use your different like visions to, to scan the environment. So you have like a bio uh, vision so you can look for blood or genetic traces. You have electromagnetic vision so you can scan for technology. Uh, if there's a corpse in the room, they might have implants or, or, or cyber tech that will help you discover what's going on in the room. You have night vision and you can toggle these on and off at any time and literally just investigate what happened in, in this in this crime scene. Really cool stuff, right? That sounds neat. Really futuristic. Not scary, though. Just a really cool crime drama. Yeah. However, you get to a point in this game where you have to hack into a corpse. Uh, the person in this room who has all the answers is dead. And the only like way the to find, and the only way to find out what happened is to dive into their neural network. And again, they're dead. That's yucky. And so what happens is you enter in these scenes where you're navigating the memories and dying brain of of this body to find out what happened. And they're like living nightmares. That's how you catch COVID. <laughs> you catch some serious <laughs> shit. So like you're you're basically like walking through somebody's nightmares and okay. they, they don't uh they don't have any sort of rules or, or of reality. So like you'll see things that are floating, you'll see creatures that are supposed to be um, metaphors for things in this person's story in in their in their backstory. You get chased by shadowy creatures that are that are all just kind of like abstract visions of what's going on with this person that typically leads up to the point where they're murdered. And it's all super trippy. Um, you'll be walking down a hallway and all of a sudden the hallway is a completely different room and you walk through this room and then all of a sudden you're outside, but you're walking on like the walls of the building. It's all just like complete trippy ball shit right that sounds kind of awesome it's really cool and it's very creative in the sense that i would imagine this utilizes that ssd really well because there's no load times at all as you transition from scene to scene to scene so mm -hmm. like you, you talk about like that ratchet and clank and how you can warp from place to place this kind right. of does like that but it's all inside these nightmare horror scapes and the really really shitty part is as soon as you get out of these guys heads you realize that by jacking into these dead bodies uh it's fucking with your brain in the real world too so they start oh, no. you start hallucinating seeing things that aren't there the real world starts acting like the nightmare scape 
and it devolves into some really cool psychological mind warfare um, that can be really scary, but more so it's just really impressive at how creative the design of this game is. Like it's one thing to design a building. It's another thing to design the inside of somebody's mind. Right. Especially after they've died and, and it's like all broken and not working properly. Um, really, really cool psychological uh, gameplay in this game. Man, Bloober Team is just like, I feel like every time we talk about a Bloober Team game, mm-hmm. It just sounds like they're getting better and better and better. And and this this game, more than anything, has me just like really excited about the studio because mm-hmm. it's like the things that they do in this game by removing reality. Uh, it's you, you, you find yourself in scenarios that you're just like, how did they think of this? How right. did they put this together in a coherent way? Um, it's not a perfect game. The main through narrative um, doesn't really pay off, in my opinion. Uh, no. it, it's a series. It's, it's a game of a series of really great moments and really great. Like you can point to this and say this is really awesome. But as far as the narrative through line, like I didn't feel like it came together very well at the end. Um, obviously, it's a game about confusion, and I like my horror to be um, suggestive. Like, I love a Silent Hill game where they don't explain everything to you. It's just kind of like, well, what does that mean? What does this mean? And right. in Observer, it gets to a point where they they sit you down and they're like, okay, now this is what everything meant. And this is what right. everything was going on. And, and, it, and if you're going to do that, it better stick the landing. And this doesn't really stick the landing. Would have been better off just leaving it kind of up to interpretation. They had a really great opportunity to have this game be a devolving of your main character's mind and to leave right. it in a sense where you're like, did any of this happen? At what point did I diverge from reality? And this just became like, he's like brain dead laying on the floor, mm-hmm. but yet his mind is still progressing and it doesn't do that. It tries to tie everything up into a bow, which I think does the game an overall disservice, but it's a great showcase visually. Like this game is gorgeous with the neon lights, the HDR, the rain when you go out into the courtyard and the reflections and the puddles. This is specifically uh, like a next-gen enhanced game, right? Correct. Yep, yep. This is this game came out, I believe, in 2017 originally, so you can play it on other platforms. But this is a remaster. This they they rebuilt this to to take advantage of next-gen, and it shows. Like it is, it's a showpiece. Um. So like. Again, at the end, I came away not liking it as much as I wanted to, but there mm-hmm. are parts in this game that make me so excited for like the medium and yeah. to see what the studio does next. Because between this and Blair Witch, there are some moments, some of the best moments of of scares that that play on your mind. Like they don't do the whole. There's no combat in this game, right? They don't do the whole, right. you're fighting monsters and something's chasing and you. And cut you gotta, off its legs. There's no boss fights. It's all just about manipulating your your mind and scaring you um, in a way that's a little bit more in the shadows. And I think they do that very well. This is a very unique game. Um, I recommend people give it a shot. I think it's a budget title. 
I got a review code for this. I'm not exactly mm. sure what the price is, but I'm pretty sure this is like a, you know, a $30 max game. So right. if you enjoyed Bloober Team's other games, and I'm actually thinking of going to play Layers of Fear 2 now because yeah. I just I just found this so fascinating and so interesting what they do here. Um, really clever stuff that you don't see anywhere else that I think the studio is really going places. Very cool. Very cool. Um, really quick, I'm going to talk about yeah. two other games. I'm not going to do a... a uh, press start gobbledygoo. I'm just going to talk about them really quick uh, because I have report cards coming for all three of these games I played on PS5. Okay. Uh, I'm playing Overcooked All You Can Eat Edition, which is basically like Smash Ultimate for Overcooked. Okay. Overcooked as good as it has ever been. And this game is coming out in a time that's perfect for me because I don't think Elliot would have been able to play this successfully a year ago. Yeah. But he's actually really picking up how this game plays very well. I think everybody knows what Overcooked is all about. It's a party game where you cooperatively um, cook meals. You got to put your recipes together, chop your ingredients. The stages are super duper wacky. There's conveyor belts. Uh, Where's the lettuce? Platforms move all around just so that you I don't. Said no tomatoes. You don't ever get comfortable um, just cooking the meals. You know, you got to actually mm. fight against the levels. And yeah, there's a there's a menu that pops up on the top of your screen and you have a limited time to put the ingredients together and serve your meals. And uh, it's chaotic fun. Great uh, party game. It's a great party game. This this is like I booted this up and it's got all the overcooked games in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you go to chef select, there's like 50 chefs to pick from in this game. <laughs> oh, really? It's like. It's, it's like a Smash roster. You open it up, and it's just this widescreen filled with character tiles, and it's super family fun. Like, there's one chef who's got a cardboard box for a head. Uh, there's a reindeer chef. There's a unicorn with rainbow hair. Um, it's just the perfect family party game, and it's you'll, you'll just be laughing and, and shouting at your partner the entire time. It's just crazy fun. Awesome. And then the final game that I'm going to talk about is called Spirit of the North, um, which is like a journey inspired adventure game. There are no uh, enemies. It's just a series of light puzzles. You play as a little fox who is being guided by a spirit animal and very, very, very inspired by journey. There is a there is an object on the horizon that you are going towards. And it's just kind of like light platforming as you go from area to area to area it takes place in the in the great white north so you start on like a snow-capped mountain and then you go down through green fields and there's rivers and streams and hot springs and you navigate through caves and there's this mystical backstory that plays out through environmental storytelling again much like journey um it's charming it's calm it's relaxing the whole time there's this gentle piano score playing in the background. Uh, Elliot actually really took to this game um, to the point where as soon as we finished it, he started a new game himself on his own side. Uh, it's, you know, it's it's not the kind of game that's going to stimulate you, but it's a very good wind down game. Yeah, uh, the, the, the gameplay itself is very light. Like I said, there's simple puzzles gorgeous environments that you navigate and a beautiful soundtrack playing in the background. I'll have a report card going up for this as well. 
Um, but Spirit of the North, I'd never heard of it before. Uh, I believe it's available on other platforms, but again, this is like a new enhanced version for next-gen consoles. Uh, pretty, pretty interesting little chill game. Very cool. Mm -hmm. That sounds very interesting. Yeah. Good time. Good times. So, oh, what was that? Was that my doorbell? I don't know. I'm not at your house. I I, I didn't hear a damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. What the? This is we're in the middle of a pandemic here. Uh, does, don't they know there's a lockdown what going on right now? It's what? What it's, kind of irresponsible prick hold on. would show up at your house hold, unannounced? Hold on, hold on a second. Hold on. It's <laughs> it's one of our it's one of our plus members, John. Holy uh, shit! Remember when we used to do the producer popping? Yeah. Stop now that rings a bell. ringing the doorbell. Jesus Christ. Oh, it's Christopher Nunez, John. He's oh. he's at my front door. Um, I guess, I guess, I don't want to let him in. Did he get Did he get a nasal swab before he came <laughs> over? I'm gonna. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna let uh -huh. him into my garage, and okay. then I'm just gonna like I'm gonna leave a microphone in there so that he can tell me what he wants, and uh, we'll we'll kind of do like a a, a socially distanced safe producer popping. That sound good? That seems, that seems responsible. All right, That's let, a good idea. Let's do that. Hold the fuck on! Hi, this is Christopher. Uh, I want to thank Adam and John for letting me come in in the producer's pop-in. Uh, uh, being new to Mega Dads uh, over the last six to eight months, as far as the Discord is concerned, has been awesome. I have been a listener for quite a while um, and decided that I wanted to take a bit more of an interest in Megadads, and so I did so uh, and haven't regretted it. It's been an awesome opportunity. Uh, for the producer pop-in, Adam said, I could talk about anything I wanted, uh, and I think I'm just going to talk about family. Uh, recently coming off of Thanksgiving, uh, 2020 has been an extremely tough year. I know, I'm sure it's been, and I know it's been tough for everybody else, um, I lost my mother this year, earlier in uh, May, and it just kind of puts into perspective what holiday and what getting together and family means and things that I am thankful for. I am a husband and a father of three boys, uh, one that is 21, one that is 12, and one that is 10, um, and seeing them grow and prosper, uh, even in spite of uh, of what's going on with 2020 uh, has been fantastic. And to watch them um, just kind of gather and garner around my wife and I in this kind of really troubled time and, and making extensions through Facebook and through extra conversations with my dad uh, over this period has been just just fantastic. And um, over this holiday season, as I was mentioning, um, getting to spend time with my in-laws um, and my sister-in-law, my brother-in-law, and their kids, and just taking in everybody and the joy and just the togetherness and, and what it means to be a family, supportive and laughter and love. And 2020 could sure use a hell of a lot of that lately. Um, I'm not here to be a downer. I'm actually here um, just trying to, to explain how much 2020 has been a crap show. Uh, but in in 
retrospect towards the tail end of this year, how amazing it has been to watch family and friends gather around each other, make extra phone calls, make extra text messages, show love in ways that maybe they hadn't in the past or show love in ways um, that maybe they thought they were doing, uh, but realized that maybe they hadn't been. And I'm just appreciative for the support and for the love and for the friendships uh, that I've garnered and, and, and received in the, in the last year. Lots of people that I used to be in touch with who through you know, what's happened in 2020 have hopped into Zoom meetings, people I've been friends with in high school that I haven't seen in years, friends that reached out when they heard about my mom. And it's just been um, been overwhelming uh, and to a point where I was uh, kind of secluded for a while just because I just didn't know how to handle it. Um, but, you know, getting into the Mega Dads and being in that Discord group and the laughter and the support and the jokes, it just reminds me of being around my friends uh, back in my hometown. Um, uh, recently moved to, to uh, a new state uh, a few years back. And so we don't have quite as many of those close knit friends here. And, and this has been just an awesome, awesome way to to just relax and and enjoy games and enjoy friends and enjoy time. So uh, Adam and John, thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, I hope this wasn't too much of a bummer, uh, but uh, I appreciate the chance to have this conversation and also appreciate the chance to, to be in this group uh, and feel all the support. Uh, thank you again. Welcome back to Mega Dads Live. I, I appreciate him stopping by, but... God. Maybe a little irresponsible. Maybe he could have called first, right? Um, I mean that that would have been the sensible thing to do. It didn't now look, if you. It, it didn't look like he had washed his hands in an extraordinarily long time. I'm just going to say two that. Or, two or three days, you have a little bit of a sore throat. <laughs> you develop a tickle uh-huh. in the back of your I'm throat. Power wash the garage. Uh, you can contact trace it, probably right back to him. Can I ask you something as a man? Yep. Um, well. That, might not be the best person to ask, but go ahead. What, what's, what's the deal with decorative pillows? We got a well, new, we got a new bedding set, right? Uh-huh. Uh huh. And by we, I mean my wife brought home a new bedding set. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, all sorts of uh, what do they call those shams? Pillow shams. Right? Yeah. And I have an extraordinary amount of pillows on top of my bed, just piled like halfway to the ceiling. Eight pillows, John. That's not, that's, that's unnecessary. I was going to bed last night. I was the first one in the bedroom. And so I had to like, uh, dig out the bed mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm counting and these, throw all this shit on the floor. And I'm probably. counting these as I'm throwing them on the floor. Eight pillows. Why? Who are you decorating it for? No one can come to your house. Well, not only that, but even if you weren't in, like, pandemic state, whoever goes in your bedroom, when you have company, they don't go in your bedroom. I mean, it's a little bit different on a couch situation, I feel. Well, sure, sure. I get that. I mean, I'm on a couch right now, my couch. Yeah. I've got, I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, of There are 12 pillows on my couch right now. That seems excessive for a couch. Is it a sectional? It's it's a it's a it's a one of those L shaped couches. Okay, well at least that's something. And granted, two of them are holiday, and they just got put out yesterday. Right, right, and right, one right. of them is a sexy looking Jeff Goldblum. Uh, <laughs> but but for your but bed, tw- 
But for your bed, I just don't, I don't understand. They serve no purpose, right? No. I tried to you get sh- to, I tried to get to the bottom of it last night. My wife came in the room as I'm like making a fort on the floor as I uncover our bed. And I'm like, why do we have eight pillows on our bed? She just laughed. <laughs> like, you should, like you, I'm not in on the joke. <laughs> you should, you should force the point uh-huh. and, and just make her tonight sleep with all those pillows. Just leave them all on there, and you guys have to sleep with all those pillows on there. Just on her side, yeah, and just just see how well that goes. At the and end of the night, like after we had, to death, <laughs> after we finished Left for Dead last night, and I went to bed, I was uh-huh. Christmas crackered. Oh yeah, I don't have the time nor the energy to lift forty-five pounds worth of decorative pillows <laughs> off of my bed. It just seems ridiculous. Yeah, re. Ridiculous. You know what else is ridiculous, Adam? What's that? Team Mega Dads. So, so ridiculous. What a bunch of nincompoops. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to party chat, Adam. Uh-huh. This is a segment of the show where our plus members get to vote on a topic to close out the show, which they can vote on over at patreon.com slash megadads. Mm. Uh, anyone can become a plus member for as little as one dollar. And not only do you get all sorts of cool features and perks like uh, being able to vote on Party Chat mm-hmm. or get exclusive episodes of Megadad Diaries. And Small Talk. And Small Talk, which was just relaunched on uh, Patreon. But you help us to keep things running here, including uh, that brand new soundboard that you're running the show on today. Damn right. So I highly recommend if you enjoy this show, go to patreon.com slash megadads, become a plus member. Uh, There's lots of different levels, which get you cool stuff, but it all starts at $1 per month. What a value. A great value. Here's what I suggest. Yeah. For for the listeners, right? This is our holiday Mm -hmm. episode. Yes, it is. There is one person in your family, probably your immediate family, that you you don't really like. Maybe yeah. it's maybe it's your brother. Maybe, maybe. It's, your, it's your sister-in-law. Could be. Maybe it's your daughter. Most likely. Maybe it's your spouse. Very possible. What I suggest is for Christmas, you gift them Megadads Plus. <laughs> <laughs> what better way to say, say fuck you? To say fuck off for the holidays than the gift of Megadads, right? Am I right? That I can think of no better way to insult and alienate family than by forcing them to become a part of our community. <laughs> and, and by telling them, you're responsible for this. This mm-hmm. is your fault now. This is on your head. Yeah. Um, so this- now you have to Google what felching is. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're going to be mad. <laughs> But this is because I don't like you. And and this month in particular, people are going to be getting the extended Megadad's Christmas carols that they heard at the at the top of the show. Mm-hmm. Those were abridged versions. There are full length versions of these songs that only Megadad's Plus members are going to be getting. So exactly, sign up for that shit, would you? So for party chat this month, uh, our Plus members chose. The question, what is the best holiday gift you have ever received? Mm-hmm. So let's throw it over to the team and hear what they have to say. 
I'm Johnny Casino, and uh, as far as the best holiday gift I've ever gotten, so when I was, I don't know, seven or eight, I don't really remember exactly age, uh, my grandparents had an NES, and I wanted one so bad, but we had, well, we'll just say no money. Uh, and then finally Christmas came around, and my grandparents bought us an NES. Um, it, it was awesome. I don't remember exactly what games. I know we had Mario, we had Zelda, um, a, a couple other little ones we picked up along the way. It uh, used like Funko Land or whatever. But that right there is what really got me into playing games. You know, before that it was just little computer things here and there. But that NES, being able to sit down and play it, and my stepdad sitting there and helping me through Mario and helping me through Zelda because I was just you know just a little guy. Uh, it was it was absolutely awesome, and that is by far the best holiday gift I've ever gotten. Hey, it's Jason. For this month's party chat, we were asked what our favorite present that we ever received was, and mine is uh, a Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, the SNES came out in 1991. I was nine at the time, and my parents gave it to me for Christmas that year. I remember we took a trip down to Florida to visit my grandparents, and unwrapping that uh, on Christmas morning was 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 really exciting for me. Uh, it, that was a time when uh, consoles still came with games, so Super Mario World came with it, and I remember spending a lot of time on that trip, and and when we came back home, a lot of time playing that, um, and that started my love for the SNES console. Um, a lot of the games that came out for that were, were some of my favorite games even to this time. I still go back and play a lot of the classics like Super Metroid and The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, and it's... It, that was all possible because I received that for, for Christmas that year. So that was my favorite present. The best holiday gift that I ever received was from a family friend, uh, Wally. And he gave me, must have been right around 1990 when I was about five, uh, a Nintendo a NES uh, original with the pack-in game that had the... Um, I think it had the duck hunt with it, but I spent a lot of time with Super Mario Brothers, and it was such an amazing gift, and it kicked off my love for this amazing hobby that we share, and uh, I never got a chance to tell him how much I appreciate it. Uh, unfortunately, Wally's no longer with us, but I really wouldn't have uh, started my love of gaming without that first amazing gift, and uh, I'm so thankful. The NES still holds a great uh, special place in my heart, and it was just great. And I think the best gifts are lasting and important to us in the long term, so it was definitely the best. Thank you, Wally. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Chris Bottle, a.k.a. Sergeant Bones. Uh, we were asked to describe our favorite, favorite holiday gift. And this is, this is tricky, not for the reasons that you might think. It's tricky for me because I'm an idiot and my memory sucks. And I don't know what gifts I've gotten on any given year from one year to the next. If I've gotten a gift on a birthday, if it was Christmas, if it was uh, Kwanzaa, if it was Hanukkah, you know, whatever holiday I feel like celebrating that particular year. I don't, I don't know. I don't recall. Um, and I'm trying to go back even in like to my childhood. And I was trying to think of like, I, what's like, did I get a console? 
like that makes sense. Like I would have gotten a console on Christmas, and honestly, I don't, I don't remember getting any consoles on Christmas. They, my parents didn't buy consoles that you know release time and give them to me on Christmas. My brother got a Dreamcast on Christmas, and it it was his specifically. It wasn't mine. So that that stung maybe the most, but I think that that actually. That is, that is the one. Because my brother got a Dreamcast and I got a computer, which then led me down the path of being a PC gamer that I am today. But here's the problem. The computer that I got was an e-machine running Windows Millennium Edition. And if you knew what any of those words mean, you feel bad for me right now and you're kind of crying for me. An e-machine running Windows Millennium Edition. Um, so maybe not the, my most favorite holiday, but definitely one that I won't ever forget. My brother gets a Dreamcast, one of my favorite systems that I didn't technically ever own, and I got a Millennium Edition powered e-machine on uh, Windows, got it, uh, well, Millennium Edition, but it would have been the prequel to XP, if I'm not mistaken, so... Yeah, and I don't think I ever got to play games on it. I think I use it for, like, AOL and shit. So, anyways, it's not my favorite uh, holiday gift that I can recall, but it's the one that I have now been forced to remember thanks to um, you guys voting on on Patreon and uh, also John for making it one of the available options. So, uh, thanks. Great. Awesome. Fuck you, John. What's up, everybody? This is Nick, DadKate on Twitter, former Employee of the Month on Discord. And I'm here to tell you about my favorite gift that I ever received. Uh, when I go places, when I travel, when I go like on vacation, I absolutely hate going to like beach places or places that the only thing to do is to like sit and relax. It's the worst thing in the world for me. Uh, when I go someplace, I want to see all the cool things, all the museums and like monuments and whatever the city has to offer my wife got me an engraved copper compass with a quote from up in it and that is my most favorite valued present ever for all of my adventures oh what a bunch of losers those guys Dumb asses, one and all. Yeah, <laughs> they, they fit in. There's a reason we chose them. Exactly. Uh, do you have anything? Any pick? To have? We we did this for the last word um, mm-hmm. a year or two ago. I feel like any anything to add to their picks? I'll t- I'll tell you this: mm-hmm. the greatest gift that I ever received for the holidays, yeah, uh, was when my wife accepted my my proposal. For holy matrimony, uh, right around the holiday time, it was yeah. the greatest gift I have ever received. And um, also, what did you drug her with? What's that? <laughs> what did you drug her with first? Uh, love and charm and affection. <laughs> and then um, also that one time, you remember when Dad bought me Mortal Kombat three? Yeah, but it was like my Christmas list specifically said any video game except for Mortal Kombat 3. <laughs> we had a special dad that you could give him the most specific instructions yeah. on something. Like, don't leave us. <laughs> and, he, and he would 
and he would still fuck it up. Yeah, I mean that was that took like effort, right? Like he did that oh, on yeah. purpose. You think, right? I mean, he it it literally boiled down to him deciding this list isn't really worth me reading. <laughs> so I'm just gonna glance down at this paper for a quick second. I see a couple of words. That's it. That's what he's getting. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, missy dad. Uh, what about you? Oh, I'm looking at that sexy ass Jeff Goldblum pillow. Goddamn right. That's t- that's tough to beat. Yeah, that's top notch. You're right welcome. There. And uh, not only is it a Jeff Goldblum pillow, isn't it like mm-hmm. a bedazzled Jeff Goldblum pillow? There's that one. You've got me two Jeff Goldblum pillows. To be clear. Oh, that's right. I did. Now, I'm right now staring at just the, kind of the traditional one where he's just kind of got the sexy glare. Uh-huh. But then, then there is the bedazzled one, which got the little, uh, the little what do you call them? Sequins? Right, 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 right. That, that, that you can make little faces on them and stuff like that. Textured Goldblum. Yeah. I've got quite the Goldblum collection going. Man, I really got to step up my game this year. I hope you haven't bought a present yet. I need a pillow number three. <laughs> You're just going to have a whole room. <gasps> decorative pillows. It all comes back to pillows. Pillows. Decorative pillows. You know what that sound is? I'm about to get hit by a train. Ah! This is the caboose, John. Oh, okay. This is the part of the show where we give a recommendation. Something outside the world of video games that we think mm-hmm. you should partake in. Yeah. And uh, I know you said at the top of the show you hadn't thought of anything yet. So I'll go first in case you're okay. still there. Um, we went. I, I don't recommend this, but it, it leads to something that I do recommend. We went shopping yesterday. Uh, I insisted that if we're going to go shopping on Black Friday, it has to be mm-hmm. at like four o'clock in the afternoon when everybody's already given out all the COVID yeah. and, and the stores are basically empty. We're like, we're out of COVID, sorry. Yeah, but we went to Michael's because um, last year we bought on clearance a couple of Christmas village houses. Mm-hmm. And we put them up in, in our in our uh, living room and the kids love them. We got like four different little houses and we looked at each other and we said, more. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael's was having a 50% off of all of their Christmas village shit, right? All right. So we went there and we spent like nearly a hundred and fifty dollars on uh, nah. Christmas Village little par- glass houses, paraphernalia, little ceramic snowmen, and and children going down hills on their sleds and shit like that. And now our living room, like we talked about at the top of the show, mm-hmm. it's it's like uh, it's like the beginning of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, you know, when they pan around and there's all these toys and and, yeah. and frosted treetops. And it's 2020, man. I don't give a shit. I'm going to spend upwards of $200 on Christmas Village stuff. So what I recommend to you guys is indulge in yourself a little bit this holiday. There's a good chance we're all going to be stuck with just our immediate family for Christmas anyway. Don't worry about getting a little fat with some gingerbread. Don't worry about spending a little bit too much on your decorations. Enjoy this Christmas. Uh, we've earned it. You know, you know, at the beginning of the show when I said I couldn't think of a, a caboose topic. Yeah. I thought of one in the middle of the show. Yeah. It's it's the one you just said. Is it really? 
Yes. Did I steal it? You did. You stole my. You stole my caboose. Well, we're you know we're we're in sync with our holiday cheer. Yes, because like you said, this year sucked balls. Right. So you know what? Christmas, in all honesty, is one of my favorite things in the entire year. Our family has always been Christmas crazy. Mm-hmm. I love it. I've got two trees up upstairs. I've got eight bins of stuff all over. We bought. I've never been this guy, but I bought two big inflatable snowmen that are in my front year yard this year. Holy shit. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm going all out. I'm just going to, I'm just going to fully embrace that Christmas this year. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm going Clark Griswold all over this bitch. <laughs> uh, and you know what? We've earned it. Mm-hmm. We have earned it because my motto is if you survived this long, do it up, do whatever. Just do whatever. So yeah, if you know, obviously the holidays aren't for everybody, but uh, if if you are like us and you love them, just go balls deep on it this year. Mm-hmm. Just do it. I think that's the name of the show type, the show right there. Balls deep on Christmas. Balls deep on Christmas. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> that's gonna do it for this episode of Mega Dad's Live. Oh, Thank doozy. You. Holy, that moly. was a doozy. We have. Ass ton of games. Ass ton of games. And you know what next month is, Adam? I do know what next month is. It's January. It's game of the year time. Holy butts. Yeah, so we are going to start dissecting our game of the year picks very soon for the next episode of Mega Dads Live. We've also got a full team now that Mega Dad's team is going to be picking their game of the year picks. So it's going to be an extra special game of the year time of the year. Um, So you can look forward to that starting at the end of December. Uh, And not only that, but we've mm -hmm. got some special announcements to make in the new year. Yeah. You're going to want to stay tuned megadads.org to our twitter feed at megadads blog mm-hmm. all the places you can find megadads you might be surprised by the things that we're announcing uh in the new year we're not slowing down we've got our foot on the gas uh, full frontal nudity on every episode of mega dad's live from now on no little blurry pixels so we're sticking to skype then <laughs> no well-placed microphones. <laughs> just, just full-on dong. <laughs> and as I say that, uh, my nine-year-old daughter has joined me, so she's looking at me very confused right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so that's gonna do it for this episode of Mega Dad's Like. Thank you so much for tuning in. Why don't you go follow us on Twitter at Megadad's blog at facebook.com slash Megadad's. Go to youtube.com slash Megadad's to subscribe there. Hey, while you're at it, go to twitch.tv slash Megadad's to uh, follow us and subscribe there to check out Chris Berto, who's been playing through the Metal Gear Solid games. Mm-hmm. And patreon.com slash Megadad's to become a plus member and support the show. That's all I got, buddy. All right, guys, we'll see you next month. Enjoy the holidays. Remember to go balls deep. <laughs>